Hello, this is Andy Belanger. I'm working on uh, Southern Cross for Image Comics, and this is 11 O'Clock Comics. Missed that. Missed it. It's his back. Missed you. Back again. That was fun. Yeah. Good week. It was for us. Create a lot of art, man. No, it's it's all theory. I'll li- I'll just basically listen and seeing. Oh. No, no, act- no actual creative. No, and and certain. and speaking. I'm a very good listener. <laughs> <laughs> Tripping. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and speaking about my art, which is not uh, the best case scenario for me, but I have to do it. My uh, one of my professors told me, uh, you know, you, you could take a, a hit like the best of them, but you can't take a compliment. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I know. I can't. It's true. He's like, there's something wrong with work on it. Yeah. I yeah. Am. Well, we missed you. What'd you, th- uh, what'd you think of the show last week? <laughs> 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 uh, it's always good to leave with a joke, isn't it? Fucking <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I loved it. It was great. The, produc- was it? the production was... No, the production was... What's the word? I didn't even listen. I heard you, uh, it was some kind of uh, Chardonnay or whatever going in. No. <laughs> Chardonnay. Chardonnay or some other kind of hippie hoppy, whatever Just going shard. in. <laughs> we, 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 we exit with some arugula. Uh, no, uh, what actually what was the music? I didn't know. The, the intro was the song Drip Drop from the TV show Empire. Empire. Drip, ah, drop, yes. Drip, drip, and, uh, and the outro was uh, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. You and me and the bottle makes three tonight. Okay, I can co-sign on that second one. Because we were, because uh, because I've been watching fucking swingers on Showtime like a madman. Every time it's on, I just I toss the fucking remote behind me and I just I'm, I'm zoning out for ninety minutes. Yeah, well, you must be tickling that cat's taint right now. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I think you've got right? pinky in her ass. <laughs> like, it's like a cat sickle. Seriously. <laughs> Either that or you got Renee Perrin. I don't know which is which. Don't worry about it. It's like Eartha Kitt going on. What are you drinking? No, it's too soon. We didn't even get that. I'm sorry. Wait, more to the point, what are you drinking? Don't worry about it. Must be some toxic shit. (laughs) And you go it. My God. Who are you? It is so nice to be back. Hey, everybody. Make sure we're recording. I have no idea. Uh, 11 o'clock comics. Episode 364, and I'm back. I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. Welcome back, buddy. I missed you. I'm David A. Price. Indeed you are, and I am the smartest woman on earth. I'm Marilyn Vossavant. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're not. Uh, we Maybe we should intro, intro Pussy the Cat, because... <laughs> That's like, me. David David is, is hitting me all the right spots, so I'm purring right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Tickle that taint. No, you're not, Jason. You're Jason Wood, everybody. Oh. We're all all together again. Indeed. We Getting are. the gang back together. For real. Uh, and you don't have to do unmentionable things to your kitten to get cheap prices on your favorite comic books and collectibles. All you have to do is fire up your internet browsing device and head on over to dcbservice.com. Discount Comic Book Service. There's a reason why they named it thusly, because you will find... Lower prices on comic books nowhere else. It's not happening. For example, 
my spotlight specials for the month from Image. I am so excited for this. I can't, I can't even tell you. Written by James Robinson. Oh, the God. Ar- yes, the artist is Greg Hinkle, and it is a new spin on one of my all-time favorite characters, Airboy. Yeah. The art Big does series. look good. Yes. Yeah, it look and good. It, it seems like they have an Omega the Unknown thing going on here. Uh, like a, a, a conceptual, um, hook where Airboy actually confronts the creators. Yes, this is going to be awesome. The cover price is $2.99, which is respectable in and of itself. But you, a DCBS customer, can get it for $1.49. That's 50% off. True. From Dark Horse, it is the Kurosagi Corpse Delivery Service, Omnibus Edition. Now, this collects the volumes 1 to 3. Regular price is $19.99. Your price $9.99. And it's by Iji Otsuka and who, oh boy, mm. Hosui Yamazaki. And, uh, I, I've read about, uh, six volumes of this thing. It's, it's nuts. And I love it. So the chance of getting three volumes for $9.99, what the heck, what are you doing? Just order Do it. it. And last but not least, from Marvel. And I'm going to stress this. Um, if you would like to remain on my my short list of friends, you, you best order this book. Jack Russell by day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Werewolf by night, baby. Oh, yeah. It is the Werewolf by Night omnibus hardcover collecting Marvel Spotlight 2 to 4, Werewolf by Night 1 to 43, Marvel Team Up 12, Tomb of Dracula 18, Giant Size Creatures number 1, which is one of my all-time favorite Marvel covers, by the way, Giant Size Werewolf number 2 to 5, Marvel Premiere 28, and, if that wasn't enough, material from Monsters Unleashed number 6 to 7. Oh, my God. The cover price is $125. Oh, my God. Yes, I know, but if you if you order it from Discount Comic Book Service, you will get it for sixty two dollars and fifty cents. That is boys' pants. Exactly. DCBService.com are the very best, and you should run there if you're not already a customer, and just thank us later. One of my I'm favorite done. terriers are Jack Russells. Isn't that funny that they named him Jack Russell? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so it's so funny. It's almost in it's, it's almost like DC Silver Age characters. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So yeah, I'm. Uh, we got to take a minute before the drink oh, roll call. Take a knee. We have to take a minute. Mm, we do. Yeah. And and pour a little bit out for um, one of the true greats, and I say that without hesitation. Um, Mr. Herb Trimpey yes. has passed. Yep. Yes. And, uh, I gotta say, uh, these guys, they, they come into our lives and they leave something very significant and then they go away. Yep. And, and we, 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 in our line of work, and I call this work because I'm silly, um, in, in our line of fandom, we, we, we get to encounter these gentlemen from time to time and all of us were lucky to have met up with Mr. Trimpy at one time or yes, another. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, and uh, as a child, I recognized, you, you know, when you first start reading comics, the, the all the artistic styles are a, bit, a little bit overwhelming, uh, especially the guys that fit into a certain niche 
But Jack Kirby didn't fit into a niche, and he was the one that screamed out at me the most. But not far behind him was Mr. Trimpey. I mean, even even young, I knew this guy has something special going on. The, the, the wide-set eyes, and everybody's got a mouthful of spit, especially the Hulk yep. and, and assorted members of G.I. Joe. Uh, but I, I, I adore Trimpey's style, and it, 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 it left an indelible mark on me. It's significant. It added to my childhood to the point where my childhood would not be the same were it not for Mr. Trimpey. So how do you repay that? You, how do you even do justice to that? You can't. You, you say R.I.P. on the Facebooks or the Twitter. R.I.P. Herb Trim. It's not enough. We can we can never repay this guy for for everything he's given us. So just all the, the the countless hours of enjoyment, and and not only that, but that 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 mental image of his his art just takes me back to the time when I was a child, and it makes me feel all warm and fuzzy. Yeah. So, uh, it's it's it. It's not doing the man's work or the man himself justice, but rest in peace, Herb Trimpey. Well said, and, and like you said, we we this isn't the first time we're we've said this on the show about a creator that's passed, but I think it's uh, always apt as a reminder. Uh, you know, when you're at a con or you have an opportunity to meet a creator, whether it be a a, a modern creator that you just dig, or or it be a legend like Mr. Trimpey. Uh, take the moment to go up and even just thank them or shake their hand. We hear so many stories about people that, um, for some reason got afraid to say something to a creator they love or didn't know what to say to them or didn't feel that they wanted to bother them because they weren't going to buy something or didn't have a book for them to sign. And that's really all irrelevant. Um, I, you know, D- David and I, uh, when we met Herb, we just went up and started chatting with him and, and he started just riffing on stories. It was great. And, uh, it, it, we've had so many experiences like that. And, and I, I can say definitively that I have far greater regrets about the people that I had the opportunity to speak to or thank and didn't, didn't at the time, um, that I don't get that chance to now than anyone that I may have gone up to and worried that the conversation was going to be awkward or, or I didn't know what we were going to say. So, um, you know, just take the moment, just even just to say thanks. Cause you just never know. You never know. I mean, he was 75, which is really not that that old in today's day and age and no. um you know wasn't relatively from what we understand good health until recently so he was uh, at a con it, this weekend yeah exactly you just you just never you never know and uh but but, but isn't that awesome too i mean death is never awesome but if you gotta go yeah he was still in the game yep. yes so so good for him uh, and yes. and we've had we we've we've had our conversations with Creators who we've gone up to thank and, and, and tell them how much we appreciate their work. And it, it has left a sour taste in, in our mouths, but it does, it, you know, you, you won't know until you do. So even if, then fine. And that's the story. Yeah. You know, he, he was, he was bitter, but at least, you know, at least I got to thank him for the stuff that, that I read when I was younger and stuff like that. So just, just, just say thank you. It, it, it yeah. doesn't matter. I don't, it, that's all. Absolutely. Yeah, one of one of our good friends and all around awesome guy, Bill Z, uh, said that when, when he met Trimpey, he handed him a copy of Hulk 181, yeah. and Trimpey Trimpey said that he appreciated signing the uh, the the well loved coverless, copies. right? Yeah, the 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 mangled and yeah. dog eared and just well loved comics. He that he got more out of that than signing something that Slab was you know. that's a worst case scenario the slabbed book but it's just um fat vince has a photo 
with um, Herb Trimpton. <laughs> that, that's why you'll you'll never see it on the Facebook. Uh, and you know, he put, and he just put his arm around me, and it was like, oh man, this is awesome. Yeah, for there's sure. there's a, a great man is is touching me right now, sure. and I, I can say that every Saturday and Sunday sometimes. Oh, but, at the churches, but yeah, yeah uh, <laughs> and uh, in, in the rectum <laughs> So th- thank you, Herb, for uh, for everything. See, I had to ruin the end of the Trimpy let's, bit. Let's raise a glass to Mr. Trimpy. Absolutely. Yes. And and uh, not to um, take anything away from Mr. Trimpy, I do want to wish Mr. Ty Templeton a speedy recovery. Uh, the man had a heart attack last night. Oh, get out! Yeah. I believe it was a heart attack, not a stroke. But yes, he he is uh, he is on the mend. So. Alrighty then. So let's so raise a glass to to Mr. Templeton too. What do you what are you drinking, David? Uh, well, right now um, I am thinking about the Lavins. I'm thinking about the Woods. So I am drinking some Besieged. Oh, you're a sweetheart. Thinking about the Beast too, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was so desperate, wasn't it? Oh, please include me, <laughs> please. Always drinking uh, Bonavolia. I am drinking. Hey. Xnay on the aim there. I, I am drinking. <laughs> you want everybody to know. This is a secret. I didn't know that we kept this a secret. No, no, it's B, right? I'm it's, drinking Yingling traditional lager because it's good and because it's cheap. Mm. All right, and the oldest craft brewer in America. Oh, you know what I got while I was on uh, study? Clap. I got a couple of sixes of uh, Flying Dog. Wow, oh, nice. With, Not the with, direction with I the you were route. going there. Okay, cool. No. With the Ralph Steadman bottle, uh, the labels, yeah. I I saved the bottles and I saved the boxes too. So I'm gonna try and get them all, just because it's Ralph Steadman. Yeah, the Pokemon. Nice, it's true. Yeah. There's an oyster flavored one that I think I may skip. Either that or steal That'll a bottle. That'll get you in the mood. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. The Steadman. I don't think there's anything that could do that. And I am. But uh, anyway, I'm finishing off the uh, Sterling. Nice. Uh, which I talked about a week or two ago. That uh, it's another bottle, but I'm finishing off that bottle. So okay. Well, I mean, it's not like you were home this weekend. It could have been the same bottle. It's true. It's true. But it is not. I'd be lying if I said it was. Okay. So I'd be lying. I had a um, I had a blend that I was hoping to save for the show, but it was it was too damn tasty, so it it ended up getting uh getting all drank real quick. But um, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for it in the future. But um. What was the other thing? Oh, I'm also um, drinking to um, Mr. Mike Norton's mom. It was uh, it was her birthday yesterday. That's true. That's true. Yeah, Mike, Mike has been very sweet, and and it's been heartwarming to see him express himself about the stuff that he's been dealing with. So yes, you know, love you, Mike. Yeah, for sure. So um, I guess we should let everyone know that we have a, a special guest uh, tonight, although not. Not for the entirety of the show. No. He'll be sitting with us for, what, about 30, 40 minutes, give or take? Yeah, it's about 35 minutes, yes. He's he's terse and to the point, but you could tell the man loves comics because he he did most of the heavy lifting during the the interview, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Yes, it is. Yeah. So welcome, Mr. Uh, to uh, Mr. Jason Brubaker. You listen to this, and we will be back shortly. You can't get rid of us that easy. This is true. And we have with us, uh, sitting down for a little bit, um, 
Mr. Jason Brubaker, who is uh, the creator of Remind, which we've all discussed at one point or another. It was one of my favorite, um, well, it was a webcomic, but one of my favorite graphic novels that year. Um, and uh, and Sithra, which is in this month's previews. And uh, the uh, Jason and I both backed it on, on Kickstarter. And, um, well, basically, we're just going to let Jason... Tell us all about Sithra, what else he has planned. Um, let you know about uh, Patreon and, and things like that while we have him here. So uh, welcome, Mr. Brubaker. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, yeah, I don't know what uh, everybody knows, but you know, I, I have this new book out called Sithra, and it's in previews this month, so I'm trying to get the word out so that people can go to comic stores because it's so buried. I, I haven't looked at a previews in like years and... I think they're like 5,000 pages longer than I remember. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like the old-time phone books. Yeah, yeah, really. I'm like, I can't and even... And by the way, this is a pared-down version. They pared it. They theoretically pared it down about three, four years ago. <laughs> okay. um, and as you said, it's still about 500 pages. So Yeah. There's a lot of repeat stuff in here. Anyway, um, yeah, so my book's on page 323 uh, at the top right corner. But... Um, Anyway, yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of an all ages thing, and uh, I did a Kickstarter for it, and I, I've been all in this whole self publishing mode, so it's it's neat that you know it's able to actually get in the book and actually get a following that kind of can support it. So um, I appreciate you guys. I, I heard the review of Remind years ago, and that was that was really cool to hear people actually talking about it. <laughs> it was so great. <laughs> yeah, it was a fantastic book. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And so, congrats so you wanna, on, oh, I'm sorry. No, I just, uh, no um, by all means. As far as the, the, the Sithra Kickstarter, congratulations on pretty much knocking every, um, stretch goal out of the oh, park. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, thank you. It, I, I am on a, uh, I, I briefly mentioned it to you, but I am on a, a fairly strict no paper rule in this house. Any, any comics I read tend to have to be digitally, and that's how I did read Remind. I, I read it, um, via Comixology, and, uh, but, when I saw the uh, the Kickstarter for for Sithra kick up, it was um it, it I am well as I say I'm bending my own rule, but I'm bending my wife's rule basically for uh, for for this one. It it's it just it really does uh, look amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I I really like the way the books turned out too. Like I had a mock up on that Kickstarter, but I knew kind of what I could achieve. But the books turned out really good so as far as you know the cloth and how it wraps and um i you know i kind of pushed the limits of what i could technically do as far as you know matching up the cloth with the uh the artwork and all that junk and it took a lot of back and forth with the printer but i, I think i think people will be really happy with it when they get it in their hands yeah i think the s on the cloth is really classy oh thank you yeah and and very eye catching too. Oh, good, good. You don't you don't really see that often. Like you usually it'll be just the cloth and the art, and the art's pretty much isolated. But yeah, the 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 title going over the cloth that's really nice. Yeah, like that. and see, I wanted to do uh, something like that with Remind, but it just I I didn't have the knowledge of printing at that time, and so mm-hmm. uh you know my designer was like, yeah, let's not do it, you know, on this one. And then uh. This time around, I was like, okay, I know, I think what we can achieve, you know, if we can stamp that remind on there and register the, the art, then I think we can do this. And it was a lot of work to get it actually working, but, um, 
I don't think I've ever seen anything like it before, where no, it drags great. across from the cloth to the paper. So anyway, I, yeah, I'm I'm very glad you noticed it, and I'm glad you think it's cool. No, it's very <laughs> nice. And as far as the preview placement goes, you got a couple pluses going for you here. You're on the right hand page, okay, which is which is awesome, okay, because because most people flip. And, you know, the, the right-hand pages are visible while the left are, you know, whatever. Uh, and you're above the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. Okay, that's, yeah. That's I, I noticed that. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good place to be, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you, if you have to be buried in the, in the end of the book, then it's a nice place to be yeah. buried, I guess. Well, good. So, but we'll do our, our part to, to get the, the word out here. Cause this is a beautiful looking book. It is. Yeah. Well, thanks. So, Jason, one of the questions I had for you is in the solicit and the Kickstarter, you, you, it's described as an all-ages book that embraces a mixture of comic art and prose in a way that's never been done before, which is an auspicious declaration. So, <laughs> now is is that are we to take that literally, and that this is more of a of a of a mixture of of prose and and you know graphic yeah. novel? I mean, are there pages that are cartoon cartooning, and then pages that are pure words, or is this just another way no, of describing it? Uh, you know, I it, it is a mixture of prose and graphic novel, and um, <clears throat> I, over the years since starting Remind, I, I really had this idea like of trying to mix the two, and I I looked up everything I could find that kind of was a mixture, you know, from like the the giant fat Hugo, uh, what is it, the invention of Hugo? I don't even remember the name of it, but it's like half art, half prose, and then there's um, uh, Doppel. Ganger Chronicles, which is kind of like a half comic, half prose, like blend. And I, I studied all this stuff because I was like, you know, there's got to be someone that's doing it really, really clever. And I felt like it, even though a lot of these books are successful in the publishing world, I just, it felt broken when I would read it. And I just felt like, you know, there's a different, there's a better way and a more seamless way this could be done, uh, to where I would actually want to sit down and read the prose because, you know, growing up, I never, did a whole lot of reading. So, um, I, kind of want to, I want to allow that prose to be there because now that I read, I'm like, I really like what prose can do. Like you can explore people's thoughts and, and talk about smells and things that it's, you know, you can do that with narration in comics, but, um, just, just allowing the prose to kind of help tell the story is it, it's, it would be really fun to mix that. And so, um, you know, when you get the book, I'm sorry, I don't, hadn't sent you guys one beforehand, but, um, you'll be able to see that it kind of, there's not just walls of text, but it kind of blends in and out of the comic. And it doesn't feel, in my opinion, it doesn't feel like you're reading prose. Um, because there's never just like you turn the page and it's a white wall of prose. Um, right, right. which I totally wanted to avoid that. I didn't want anyone to, Look at it and say, "Oh, he's trying to take shortcuts to, you know, not draw anything." Because that that wasn't the the point at all with it, you know. Um, so so I do really feel like it's a new attempt at doing this this mixture in a way that's never been done before. So I I'm really confident in, in saying that because I I've tried to find it for a long time and I just couldn't find anything that satisfied me in that mixture, you know. All right. So. We'll see what the the general public thinks. So far, you know, I've I've sold it at a couple of conventions the last couple of weekends, and and the people who've come back have responded really positively about it. So so 
It's good. It's a good start. Nice. <laughs> I don't think there's a, such a thing as too much content. You know, you, it's value for the dollar as far as I'm concerned. If, if your book, which is 96 pages, um, takes me, you know, as long and I, and I can spend as much time enjoying that as I could, like, say, two graphic novels, then it's, it's value added, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know if it, it would be a quicker or a slower read because the way I, I tend to tell my stories, I like spacing things out and have lots of double page spreads. So, so, you know, I, I get away with a lot of, of that stuff that, I think in the normal publishing world, you don't see because, you know, when people are hired to do a, a page rate, they can't get away with having a white page, you know, for the, their page rate. Right. <laughs> so, right. um, but since I'm kind of self-publishing and, and uh, again, the funding through Kickstarter, it's like I can do a lot of these different experiments. I, in my mind, they're really fun experiments that I, I wish I would see more in, in comics. Um, so, so it is a quick read and it's just actually the first part of a story. It's book one out of, I don't even know how long it'll be, but, um, uh, I, at this point I'm thinking five, five books long. Oh, that's, um, oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. And then, you know, it'll be a nice collection on the shelf, on the bookshelf when it's all done. So I, I, a, my vision is always like, how will it look on the shelf? You know, it's like, it's yeah, going to ask. So, so the trade uh, yeah. dress is going to pretty much stay the same throughout all five or possibly however many. Because we have had some people who, who the Marvel Essential line or, or the DC Showcase or anytime they make a change in the trade dress on the spine, people just tend to freak out just a little bit. And, and, uh, I'm curious to know if like, so, for volume two, will it have the same sort of color on, on the spine or are you going for, I haven't decided that. Yeah. I, you know, with remind, I kept the same cloth cover, right. Color, color, but, uh, and the cloth is always the color. of The cloth has always been the most (laughs) difficult thing to lock down with my printer for some reason. Um, so I know I could keep this red consistent, uh, and that would be fine, but I kind of have the idea of, you know, having it change, but still having that same, same stamping and the same S. Right. And, and, but then with just a different color. But I guess it really just depends on when I get to that printing stage, what's available, how easy is it to, to get, and does that color go with the art? You know, it, it might be a little back and forth, like I'll have to find the colors that, that work and then kind of create art that matches that. So, um, I haven't decided yet, but it will definitely feel seamless. I, you know, my goal is to make it feel seamless when it's on the shelf. Like it's definitely part of the same collection. That's cool. Any challenges uh, come up in printing that cover? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it really pushed back my schedule to where I'm really, you know, getting it to the Kickstarters is right at the last minute now because um, going back and forth with the proofs were just it, things were just not registering. Like there was. The first pass was a really big space between the S and the, and the Ithra. <laughs> and oh, it just, right. you know, I don't know. It's like, it's tricky because you're, you're dealing with different machines doing different parts. And then uh, hopefully there's people there who understand how the finished product will look, which, you know, I mean, obviously they do, but you know, a lot of times it just kind of runs through a system and, and they just want to get the job done. At least that's what it seems like. Um, and, uh, so yeah, it was a lot of back and forth and we, but we finally, we finally got it and it's, it's all sitting in, well, it was all sitting in my garage a couple of days ago, but I shipped a bunch out to my <laughs> distributor. Photos, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that's an overwhelming feeling when you when you're like, I got the space and it will all fit, and then it shows up and it's way more than you thought. I mean, even though I've done it before, it's like it's still surprising when a semi truck pulls up with, you know, six pallets. <laughs> well, that that kind of attention to detail though is is really refreshing and nice because you don't see that all the time these days because let's be honest that just the title to print that probably added significantly to your budget yeah oh yeah yeah just the cloth yeah. cloth itself was you know it um yeah it's almost like an adding another third to the price amazing wow. you know wow. um but uh, the way i look at the books is like if they're not collector's items then you know why am i doing them the the cheapest way for me to get it to someone is online and digitally and so so i i don't want to print something that's the cheapest way to print it too you know and and if i do enough the great thing is if i do enough of these i can get the price down to where it's it it doesn't feel like you're spending 60 dollars for a collector's edition book you know it's only 19 right. 19 bucks which is which is great i think you know, it's, it's, it's kind it's, of it's more than great. It's 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 1995 cover, but uh, I mean, like we're sponsored by uh, Discount Comic Book Service, and and they're offering it this month for 1397. Oh, geez. oh wow, it's absurd. I mean, it's yeah. awesome, right? So yeah, yeah. and all, still, all of our listeners have no excuse but to order it. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, and I'm just trying to get the word out because it's like I'm completely self, you know, publishing, and I, that's kind of been. I got stuck in this and I feel like now I don't want to let go of it because I, mm-hmm. I really like the way it's going. Um, but you know, it's hard to wear all the hats like marketing and all that stuff. Well, I, I mean, need to just, right, right, right. I, I mean, need to just keep focusing on the books. <clears throat> yeah. See, see that, that's the unseen, uh, element in, in self publishing. Like most people think, you know, Marvel and DC, those machines, they, their promotion is built in. Yeah. But, but, um, the farther you go down back in the catalog, you got, you have to wear like a ton of different hats. Yeah. Just to get the word out. Yeah. Yeah. Not only did you write and draw the book and, and produce the book, but you didn't have to sell the book and shop it around. And, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing the amount of the intensive work that goes into these things beyond the paper. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 I mean, the interesting thing for, for, from my perspective for you is that, uh, I guess again, from a, a consumer side, it seems like Remind on Kickstarter was a smashing success. You put yeah. out a wonderful product. You had, I thought, a really well designed campaign that had lots of layers of incentives that, uh, appealed to different groups of buyers, which was great. Um, but, you know, I guess fast forward to what's it been a, maybe two years? Two, yeah, it been three, three years. Yeah, two years. So, yeah. so two years later, I guess there's, there's two things. One, you know, we, we know a lot of people that have had Kickstarter experiences and it seems that, um, Unequivocally, everyone says that there's a huge learning curve that they didn't anticipate, even with, especially with really successful, um, um, Kickstarters. So two years later, uh, juxtapose for us, you know, how this was different because you already had the experience with Remind. And then, you know, is that somewhat also then offset by the fact that we're in a pretty different world? I mean, from speaking personally, I felt like, um, there's a little more signal to noise now on kickstarter because it is a more popular platform like i think you have to spend a little more time as a consumer um figuring out what's going to be worth your while and what's not whereas even two years ago when you did remind it 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 was like a giant beacon i mean it was obvious when you posted okay this is a book that that's worth my time so have you experienced the signal to noise issue and then i guess probably more interestingly for our listeners you know was this experience so far in any way easier or more efficient because you you lived through a learning curve on remind 
Yeah, you know, Remind was was weird. It was kind of the right timing of everything, you know, like because everyone started no- noticing the million dollar campaigns. That mm-hmm. was like shortly mm-hmm. after that happened. And so everyone was looking at it and so I put out a book that's that's, you know, a little bit above average I think that on the Kickstarter and so everyone kind of clings to it. But I also had a mailing list that I'd been building. Um and then and it just overwhelmed me not with how good it was but when i got all the books and i would come home from work and i would calculate how much time it would take me to fulfill all the orders if you know each order took five minutes um it it made me realize it's an impossible task for me to 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 do and i still need to keep going on the next things and you know it's like i'll be doing this for six months and um and then my Funding my all my budget that I all the money that I made it's it's dried up and I still haven't done the stretch goal which is another hardbound book so I had to get freelance to do that and it's kind of it, it really took me through this really like crazy moment like f- huge fluctuating moment in my life where um, it kind of almost made me want to stop doing comics altogether on the wow. side and because it was too hard to to see how it could be possible even with the success I had you know. And, um, so fast forward, you know, it, it, it's like, I took almost like a year off after I finally fulfilled that. And I was just kind of like, I don't know what to do. And about a year after that's when I started Sithra and I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to just keep going at it. I'm just, you know, going to do what I know what to, how to do best is just tell a story and, and finish it and put it online. You know, I'm not going to worry about the business side of it yet. And, um, then when, it came time to do the the campaign. Um, you know, I started getting a little nervous again about, oh, what does this mean? And so I put a lot of restrictions on myself, what I would and wouldn't do. And um, just to protect myself from, like, getting this mountain of stuff that I can't control anymore on my plate. Um, and so one of the big hurdles was just getting um, hand, let, getting someone else to handle the fulfilling and my right. brother and his wife stepped in and said, hey, we could do this for you. And that was kind of one of the biggest weights uh, that kind of allowed me to to say, okay, I'll do it again. I'll try it again, you know. And I didn't approach the whole, you know, the marketing and promotion and website and updating and, and tweeting and all this stuff at all in the same way. I was just going to hit my mailing list and say, if you guys want this, then jump on it. If If not, then... I'll keep working on these books <laughs> until the mailing list builds up. You know, that was kind of my thought process with it. Um, and so, so this time around, uh, but and so I did about half what uh, reminded, but it was also a brand new thing. I never really advertised it um, online. I just, the only th- real advertising I did was to my mailing list that I built through remind and over the years. Um, so so now that I have all the books and they're at my brother's house and they're actually packing them right now, as, you know, maybe as we speak, um, it's like the the things I'm nervous about now is just okay. I need to really start getting book two going, you know. <laughs> right. And so it's it's completely different uh, feeling. And and oh, to go to your um thing about how Kickstarter has changed, um, yeah, it's it's really it really feels like a whole different system now you know they've even completely updated their site and it just feels completely different and but i feel like the same thing applies to where if you can bring your audience to it that's where the key is 
you know, like building your audience and bringing it to Kickstarter. Um, Kickstarter offers amazing marketing if you can make a splash when you, when you launch. But if you don't make a splash, the mark, you know, there's no marketing for you, you know? Um, so, so you gotta bring something to the table. You gotta bring an amazing product with, with people kind of a, a little, at least a little bit of a built in audience in order to kind of really drive traffic to it. Because if you can make that splash with your audience, then it can start showing up on lists and on their blogs and whatever random things that they, they do nowadays. Yeah, it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. I don't know if I answered your questions. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, look, I tend it's, it's... to start talking and then I just, I don't know where I would. <laughs> no, I, I, I think you did. It's I mean, just like David. The thing right? is, is that the, uh, you know, we, we, the f- fulfillment in, in particular, I, mean, I know we had, um, uh, we, we had a friend that, that, that did a book and, and he was much like you overwhelmed with the fulfillment aspect to the point where, uh, he just really didn't anticipate even the physical limitations of having yeah. so many books in his uh, Chicago apartment. You know, it just <laughs> wouldn't, literally didn't have room for them, much less. So, so these are the kind of things that I, I think from a, a lot of our listeners, when they hear about a great Kickstarter project that's that reaches all of its stretch goals, they immediately just assume that, uh, you know, the skies are opening up and it's pouring down gold, you know, yeah. from heaven for you. And, yeah. and, and while hopefully this is a profitable endeavor, I mean, this is, that's the goal. I, I still think in spite of the profits, it's an, it's an inordinate amount of work relative yeah. to, oh, yeah. you know, if you were just, you know, again, uh, you know, you pitched the book to Dark Horse and they said, sure, do it. I mean, it, sure, it's different economic model, yeah. but it would still be, they would handle a lot of the stuff that you, you don't anticipate. But I presume again that, um, well, first of all, I think we're all glad that you didn't give up comics. <laughs> oh, yes. And, and second of all, I guess since you envision this to be five plus volumes that you're comfortable enough with this, this second iteration of Kickstarter that you're going to, you know, keep, keep going with yeah. that model, at least for yeah. now, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, I, I'm not even against, you know, jumping off of Kickstarter and just, uh, pitching it to my audience once it gets a little bigger. And just saying, hey, pre-order it on PayPal. Here's the pre-order. You know, I know, I noticed Jake Parker did something like that a, a couple weeks back who has, he has a massive following. Um, and he, it went perfectly for him, um, in talking to him. So, you know, there, there's a lot of strategies, you know, that are kind of being, that are evolving, I guess, as, as all these platforms change. And, and there's like Patreon now too, which has been a great thing for me. Um, but but my my goals are all the thing that really helps me is my goals are all so long term that um that all the fluctuations you know whether it's you know I sell the movie rights tomorrow or not it it do, it's not going to affect the this the strategy I'm going to take which is just really try to get out these books that are collectors items for the bookshelf you know try, I'm trying to do one a year you know I I'm I'm negotiating with this company that might allow me to, to get it, you know, a couple a year or maybe more, but, um, I don't know what's going to happen with that. And it was a fairly new thing that was presented to me, but, um, so there's all kinds of different opportunities going on and every, the whole landscape is completely changing with digital. And it's just, it's really, uh, to, to me, it's, it's so much more enjoyable than just kind of, pitching it to a, a company and then just kind of doing the work because so much of this for me is figuring out these, like how to 
break rules. Like that's why I did the cover the way I did them. And that's why I'm like mixing the pros and stuff. It's because I, I just, I don't want to get, you know, locked into a, a thing and then just be working for the rest of my life doing it. I want to kind of, it's more like an experiment all the time, you know? I guess that's why I like it so much, the whole self-publishing and wearing all the hats. And, you know, eventually I divvy up the hats to different people when I realize what I can and can't do and my limitations. But um, but it's for the most boring. part, I enjoy it. Yeah, it's right. not boring at all. It, exactly. Was there any um, added pressure with previews? Did you have to? I mean, so it's it's in this month's previews for a um, for a June release. Yeah. Did, did, did it just, did you have the time frame? Like, did you know it was going to be in the April previews or did you not have, no, where you're not going to let you know, them know I, about it until the book was done? I don't, I don't really deal with previews much. Like when I, okay, this is strange, but when I published Remind, after looking at all the options I had, I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to approach Diamond because they're just, they're not as indie friendly, indie friendly as I, you know, want them to be. And, um, and so I was like, forget it. I just won't even deal with it. And so I just marketed straight to stores and contacted them straight and, and got a publicist and it worked really well. It was a lot of work again. And, um, and I, I got a, I got a rep to go around to stores and sell more copies. So, so that worked for the first volume, but then it got overwhelming with, you know, me shipping out all these books every night all the time. And, um, uh, a friend of mine came up to me at a at WonderCon a couple of years ago, and he's like, "Hey, you should uh, get this distributor." And I was like, "Well, I'd love a distributor, but who, no one's going to take me. I have one book." And um, he's like, "Well, check them out." And there's this distributor called SCB Distribution, and their limit is usually four four books for a publisher. Um, he set up a meeting with me, and I I showed him my book, and I said, "Well, my second volume just got." hundred over a hundred thousand dollars in pre-orders on kickstarter and i can't pack these fast enough you know can't spend all my time in the evenings packing and he's like well those are the right problems you know uh and so they took me on as one of their publishers and so so they handle all my amazon orders now so i don't have to deal with that and they they also are the ones who contacted diamond and solicited through diamond so because what happens with diamond and you know i mean you guys know it's like a book goes out and you get orders and then that's it. It's just, it's done. And so in my case, when I have these books that take me a year to do, I can't just rely on Diamond to be my distributor because that one month's worth of sales is, is, is one month's worth of sales and that's it, you know? And, but my distributor, they're handling sales. You know, I get a check from them every month. And so the, the sales from Diamond then, um, just adds to that. And so I'll have a big month because diamond sales came in on that same check. Um, you know, does that make sense? So it's kind of a strange world, the distribution, because even the SCB distribution, they work through these, the two major distributors to get into the bookstores. So you can go to like any Barnes and Nobles and buy remind because of this network of distribution channels that are all tied together. And so, um, so anyway, that, that's kind of the way it got into diamond was because I said to my distributor, yeah, if you can fit that in, you know, if, if you can't get it into diamond, then that'd be excellent. And, um, so they handled all that. They pitched it to them and took it out of my budget that I would normally get, you know, for that month to, to, 
run an ad or whatever they do. So it's amazing that in your system, diamond is the afterthought. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah I, just, that's, that's cool. People, uh, people are kind of are always surprised by that because, you know, I'm doing comics. Well, why wouldn't diamond be the main source, the main place you go, you know? Um, because diamond's not working for you. It's not working. Yeah. It doesn't work for me. Right. It, it works for me right. one month out of the year, you know? So it's true, but it, it's a good month when it works, you know, but it's, it's not enough to, to, it's not enough to pay the bills for that month, but it's, <laughs> you know, so. So I realize we've gone uh, nearly a half hour and we haven't actually told uh, or given you a chance to, to tell everyone what the, what Sithra is actually about. <laughs> so why don't you go ahead? Yeah. Well, um, my little log line is that it's a seven year old girl who gets separated from her father when their plane crashes. They have a private plane crashes and she gets separated and in her journey to try to find her dad and even if she's he's still alive she starts seeing kind of into the spirit world and starts seeing this invisible creature it's like following her and um so it's kind of like an, a miyazaki-esque feel to it that's what i really wanted to do like an american miyazaki nice. <laughs> comic <laughs> so um yeah and it's just going to keep diving more and more into this strange world um so that's kind of the that's the quick one, quick log line. And it's an all ages thing. And yeah, it, you know, of course it mixes prose. And so, um, I'm, I'm hoping librarians really love it because, uh, they, they seem to really love pushing books when they, when they love them, you know? So that's, that's, that's one of the reasons Remind was, did, has been, keeps doing so well is because libraries keep buying it and, that's and awesome. pitching it to, to people. So. That's another good problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeff Smith That's... syndrome, we call that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now it's just figuring out how to multiply it, you know, because I mean, you know, even with all the success, um, you know, it's, it's only a couple thousand copies really, you know, and it's like that doesn't sustain anything, you know? Um, oh, but going back to the Kickstarter plan, it, like my whole strategy with that is Kickstarter just funds the product and then I print. You know, with this one, I was able to print 5,000 copies. Well, only like just over a thousand of those go to Kickstarter and the rest, um, I can sell at conventions. My distributor can sell. Um, they can be sold online on Amazon, you know, all these different channels for years. And, um, as long as I'm continuing to market new stuff, um, all my back catalog can keep selling. So, so my goal is to just keep building up that catalog until that the passive income from all those different little streams uh, can pay the bills. So, <laughs> so I'm talking business strategy now, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> it's, it's a sound strategy. Yeah. Right, well, we'll see, we'll see, you know, in a couple of years, <laughs> I mean, it's the way I've been going because I've seen it starting to work with remind and my other books. And mm-hmm. so it just keeping continuing to add to that catalog in a, and making sure that the, qualities there you know well, right on that front jason what um what cons do you have lined up for this year then to promote the book well um i did emerald city comic-con and then WonderCon the weekend after uh this weekend i have um the los angeles times festival of books which is oh, nice huge actually and i've yeah. never been there before um and then i have i have a workshop with gallery nucleus a couple weekends after that and then phoenix comic-con um, I have CTNX at the end of the year, which is in Burbank. Um, I have a, I'm being flown out to a, 
library uh, to do a, <laughs> a talk, which is kind of the first time that's happened. So um, that's later on in September. But you know, that's that's kind of all I have really lined up. I so you're sticking to the West I, Coast for the most part. For the most part, but you know, the more I do it, the more I'm like, I don't know if this is my thing. I, I really think conventions. They're kind of in a bubble right now. Like they're they're just blowing up. Like everyone, they're everyone's launching a convention, mm-hmm. and um, I think they're they're great for the fans, but it, it's really hard to it's hard to to really make them work. I think for the the independent artists, and so you know I could fill up my whole schedule every weekend with a convention. It's it, like you guys were saying, the amount of work required to do it doesn't quite bring the kind of return you would need to justify it. And so when you compare that to like just making a banner ad online or, <laughs> or going on a podcast like this, it's just, it, it's unparalleled. Sure. You know? And so, so I'm kind of learning that I just want to limit the conventions down to the ones that I just, I really enjoy that. I just want to go to and experience it, whether I sell a, a lot, make a whole bunch of money or not, because, um, I don't, the thing I don't want to do anymore is just load my schedule up and my time up and burn out and get to the point where I don't like it anymore, you know? And I think it's really easy to, because there's so much involved that you don't consider to be part of the job. So, so yeah, I, I'm, I think going forward, I might only just do like two conventions a year. I don't know what it will be because I'm Mm -hmm. actually moving to Idaho, uh, later this, in a month or you know, oh, no kidding. In a month. that's a big move, huh? Yeah, it's it's really big. Um, but you know, I'm re- I'm really looking forward to it. And it lowers the bills and it lowers cost of living and all. So it's it's all built into this strategy to try to make this thing work, you know. Um, yeah. and but yeah, so going forward, I I'm only going to do a couple conventions. I might try some new ones that are close by there. There's nothing really close, but maybe yeah. the Salt Lake one next year and. You know, and that one got like, massive. That one got massive overnight. To your point, yeah, a bubble that that went from didn't exist to seventy thousand. Yeah, in what two years, which is fairly crazy. Uh, that's to what I hear. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, you, I, I guess you, we we as you might imagine, we do a, a decent number of cons, and we we certainly get a sense of mm-hmm. of of many others. And it seems to me, um, you know, each con has its own DNA and its own identity and its own focus. And it would seem to me that, um. You know, for what you're trying to accomplish, like a con like San Diego or New York Comic Con, probably not optimal, but like something like, a, you know, a Mocha or an SPX or, you know, something like that. I mean, I, I think that would yeah. be kind of ideal for you because that's a, that's a, where you're kind of among, you know, other, other indie creators and creator owned stuff and the people that are going there are looking specifically for that type of content, right? So, uh, that's interesting you say that. I, I've, I've kind of, I, well, I used to do San Diego Comic Con and I stopped because it's just, it, it's outside of <laughs> the right. range of what I want to deal with. But, um, but it, it, that's an interesting point. Um, I've avoided a lot of the smaller ones because I was like, well, they're a smaller one, but, but, but you're right. I mean, maybe fitting in like, like Ape Con, you know, is one. Yeah, I, Ape's another one, would sure. Would be great. And there are small attendee, attendants, but, um, they're, they've come looking exactly for my stuff and I don't have to go there for four days. You know, or you know, or something like that. It's just like a two day thing. Or well, Vince, you've I mean, Vince has been to Mocha more for, for more often than David and I. Mean, but you wouldn't you agree, Vince? I mean, a book of of the quality of the stuff that Jason's putting out. I mean, that could move 
hundreds of units, if not more, at a place like Mocha. Oh, right? yeah, cer- certainly, yeah. right. Yeah. There's, there's, like you said, there's too much noise at the bigger cons, and let's be honest, most of the people there are big two friendly. Sure. So <laughs> that, that, you know, that's yeah. what they're looking for. But at Mocha's a nice, intimate. I wouldn't call Mocha small, but um, hmm. let's just say low key. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there, there was a lot of traffic all the times I've been there. Mm-hmm. A lot of foot traffic. Yeah, and SPX cool. as well. I mean, that's not. I wouldn't consider that a small con. Um, you know, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Ten, you know, ten plus thousand people. I think that probably go through it. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I, you know, I might have to reassess my strategy with conventions and try that. You can, next send, us, year. You can send us the the. The ten uh, percent. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, give you the commission. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say it's just our bid to get you on the East Coast. That's, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> sure, well, that'd be fun. <clears throat> All right, so when, are David, I gonna, when are David and I going to get our copies as Kickstarter backers soon? Right, I just got the confirm for my the last and final yes. email. I think it was the last and final address <laughs> change warning. I think, as you put it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I don't know what backer kit sends out. It's I say send out this thing and they, they, they write the email. It's all pre-formatted. So I, I'm always curious what people are getting. But yeah, um, so we're locking them down and the first batch is going out real soon. I just wired a whole pile of money into the account to pay for it, uh, pay for the postage. And so they should go out. I'm hoping earliest by the end of this week, uh, the, the first batch, which is the first tier. Um, nice. and then, uh, we're, I'm printing up the, all the book plates right now, so those will be ready to to fill in on the, the second batch, which is the big the, the biggest tier. It's like I don't know 500 people or something in that tier. So, but the nice thing is, you know, you pack them all the same, so it goes pretty quick. And especially because I'm not doing it all myself after work, <laughs> <laughs> so it's good. So That's hopefully soon. Awesome. Hopefully real soon. The the enthusiasm in your voice is like so apparent. You just you just love doing this. You can tell. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> that's like <laughs> that's like the worst marketing when someone's like, "Yeah, buy my thing," <laughs> you know. <laughs> so that's good to hear so, you say that. Yeah, it's it's great to hear. Yeah, good, good. Well, um, I don't know if there's anything else you guys want to talk about. I um I probably got to jump off the the call though pretty soon here. Okay. Well, I think we've covered. Uh, well, I hope we've covered everything you wanted to touch upon. Yeah. If, if well, you haven't if given not, out any uh, any URLs or where people can URLs? reach yeah. you. David's the man. Well, um, Sithra dot com s i t h r a h dot com is where you can read Sithra, and um, I have a mailing list link right under the comic, and that's that's the thing I push the most because that's that's kind of my. That's how I know how many people are interested in buying my stuff. So, and that's who I send out all the, you know, new information or launch the Kickstarters to as my mailing list. So jump on that if you want to be notified before anyone. And, um, if you want to follow me on Twitter or, or Instagram, it's at Jason underscore Brewbaker. And that's for both Twitter and Instagram. But, you know, I'm not really big on both of those. I, I still, I, I stumble around on them, but. Um, and then there's a uh, remind blog. Uh, that's where you can read all of remind. And then, um, my Patreon account, which, um, is where I'm actively posting behind the scenes stuff about Sithra, like thumbnails and sketches way before they come out online, um, is at patreon.com backslash Jason Brubaker. So 
that that's me. That's all my stuff. Excellent. Fantastic. So as you said, it is available in this month's previews. Yeah. And it is nineteen ninety five cover price. But again, if you use an awesome online service like DCB service, it's uh less than fourteen bucks, which is a steal by any measure. Yeah. So and getting it for a steal doesn't hurt me at all. I mean, it's, right? Yeah, you still get your cut. <laughs> it doesn't take any money away from yeah. me. Mm-hmm. So please, if you find it for a deal, get it. Um, well, thank you guys so much for having me on. I know this was totally last minute, and I mean, when I flip through this previews book and see all the other people you could potentially get on, I'm like, I'm honored you allowed me to. <laughs> oh, that's my our book. pleasure. I mean, as as, we, as David said at the start, we were huge fans of Remind, and so it's uh, it's it's. Nothing, you know, we've been at this for seven years, and I think it's fair to say I speak for for my co-host when I say that nothing gets us happier than when we hear from a creator um, after they've been on that, hey, you know, uh, p- people come up to me all the time at cons or or email me and tell me that they bought my book because of of hearing about it on the show. So that's that's the ultimate that's the ultimate feather in our cap and, and the reason we really do the show. So well, cool. Well, thank you guys. True. I really appreciate it. And I and I can't wait to to hear what you say about Sith. I'm not saying you have to do a review, but <laughs> oh, we'll review it for sure. Me. Oh yeah, <laughs> just get us our copies and we'll review it. That's, okay. Yeah, we'll be coming soon. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks right, again. Great. Thanks very much, Jason. I'll see you guys. Have a great night, man. All right. Be Good well. luck with everything. Thank you. It was a little bit of uh, kind of reminded me a little bit of like Owen Wilson. I got a kind of vibe from that. Owen Wilson. Yeah. The actor Owen Wilson, kind of, as 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 Jason was talking, it it something yeah, about it was right. was a little bit Owen Wilson. I believe we call that a hoppa. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! So the worst, the worst thing me. imaginable. Okay, that that's what that's what you have to say. Seriously. Wait, you thought the you thought Wedding Crashers was terrible? I didn't see it. What? I haven't. I've never seen saw, Wedding Crashers. Oh my God! It's I almost, hilarious. I, I, you're right. No, it, it is wedding crashes, but it almost reminded me of uh, his character from um, Meet the Parents, when he was building the gazebo and shit for the. Uh, for, oh no, for that's the, what I meant. Stuff. I'm fucking it up. No, no, no. That's thank you. Yeah, that's actually what I meant. That is where it's from. Yes. <laughs> well, my comment still stands. <laughs> you haven't seen that either. <laughs> no. And you didn't like it. Funny. Yeah, Meet the Parents is hilarious. It is. I, I've never seen it. So I, I can't say either way. Damn, son. You don't like Italians? You don't like Robert You've seen there? like 8,000 C-list <laughs> schlock. Oh, I, I would go, I would go a couple notches lower, buddy. Yes, yes. If it's if it's uh, zero budget, I will watch it. Oh, nice. And filled with tentacles. Cheapness. Show me the cheap. Uh, you know who so, I'd like to see a variant cover of? Who? That El Musa chick from the... Uh, from the HETV, that's what I'd like to see. The blonde. Oh, nice, yes. Tarek's wife. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So are we going to do this preview Let's thing like this, we have? Of we are. We can't make it. We have to keep it. A, a bit, we have to make, we can't, we have to do it at least two months in a row to make it, it was, a thing. It was, yes, it, it, if was, we've, it was a nice segue from Jason, who was pimping Sithra in previews. In the previews, so right. Can, yeah. If we've learned nothing from doing this podcast thing, it's dependability is the thing that, that wins out in the end. It's true. It is. No, it we is. Can, we can break wind for two hours every week. As long as it's up on Thursday mornings, people do not complain. You do break wind for two hours, though. Not to say that you, you folks have low expectations, but <laughs> y'all have low expectations. Well, the truth so. is, if it, we haven't done a podcast panel at a con in a long time by design... 
because I think they're all dreadfully boring. But I think the one thing that always gets asked at those things is how are you, how did you achieve any kind of modicum of success? And I think the answer should always be, no matter who answers it, that it's about regularity. Yep. It's true. That really is the secret sauce. I got your back on that. Yeah. So there you go, folks. We're the regular, we're the Seiko of comics podcasting. We're the five. We're the regular show. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, as usual, we're going to peruse the previews and shout out our, uh, items, uh, to which you should be, uh, aware. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you guys can go first. Well, you alluded to one of the three Marvel Omnibu that are on sale this month. Which, you know, I love Marvel and I love the Omnibu, but I have to say it's a little presumptuous to have three of them in the same preview because (laughs) yeah, you you floated your total past this. Yeah, I was I was was like, what? I used to do my rent, motherfucker. That's like half a year for me. Yeah, well, the pre just to give you the kind of savings that 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 DCB service offers, my pre-discount total so far this month, I haven't submitted it yet, but but as I'm looking at the spreadsheet is. $1,139.70. $1,139.70. <laughs> so, so, but with, with DCB service, it is a little more than $600. So that, that is quite the discount. Uh, but that being said, the, the fact is you mentioned the Werewolf by Night Omnibus and there are two others. And the one I, I probably am most excited about, um, I am getting the Werewolf by Night one as well, but, but is the Shield Complete Collection Omnibus. And there are two versions. I am getting the one with the Steranko cover, naturally. Uh, and it includes pretty much lock, stock, and barrel all the key Nick Fury stuff. You've got Strange Tales 135 through 168, respect. Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. 1 through 15, double respect. And then you've got a bunch of, of one of single issues. You've got uh, FF21, Tales of Suspense 78, Avengers 72, Marvel Spotlight 31, and even some stuff from not brand Eck. So oh, nice. yeah, so real cool. It's ninety nine ninety nine, so a hundred bucks uh on DCB S it is fifty percent off, so forty nine ninety nine. And that is the uh Shield Complete Collection Omnibus. Fifty bucks is less than it would cost you to get the key issues from that. Oh way more single issues. Well, the, yeah. the the fir- I mean the the first appearance alone, uh um even a reader copy would would be seventy five hundred bucks, even for just a like a fair a fair copy. So, yeah, seriously? Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't pay attention to back issues, yeah. but the copy nice. I bought I bought a copy of uh, of of his first appearance two or three years ago from Comic Link and um, spent much more than that. Let's put it that way. So well, I got to start digging stuff out because. <laughs> I, I have those issues. Well, apropos of nothing, not to get off track, but uh, Comic Link's having a focused auction going on right now and it's starting to end. And um, that issue of Batman Adventures, I think it's issue number 12, the one that Harley Quinn first appeared in. Yeah. Right. Dude, there are copies going on this auction, three or four of them going for seven, 800 bucks a piece. Oh, my nice. goodness. I don't own that because I wasn't a much of a DC regular reader then, but that doesn't strike me as a very rare issue. So no. if any of y'all are listening... And you have Batman number twelve, Batman Adventures number twelve, uh, and, and you're not a huge Harley fan. You might want to consider sending it, s- it to me, oh. <laughs> or tossing it somebody's way because uh, you're going to get some pretty nice cheddar right now for it. Right. I've made a personal resolution to never sell a comic with a cover price of thirty cents or less. Oh. You mean again? Because you've certainly done <laughs> it. Before. 
I, I have in the past and I've regretted every single mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. So never again. Uh, let's do, let's, let's raise the bar 35 cents or less. Cause there's a lot of great 35 cent comics and I will never, I don't care how destitute I am, part with an issue of Amazing Spider-Man or Fantastic Four. It ain't going to happen. Nice. You're pretty. Yeah. I am pretty. What you got, Dap? Uh, first thing I have is, um, actually, no, was this, I don't think it was the cover. It was, um, it is the first issue from Dark Horse, uh, by Mr. Jeff Lemire, uh, art by Dean Ormston, colors by Dave Stewart. It's on page 40. It is Black Hammer. Uh, and basically without me going too far into the, uh, the solicitor of the preview pages, the gist I get from it is basically life after superheroing. Um, the, the cover was very, uh, for the logo is very Justice League-ish, but the, uh, the cast of characters on the cover, uh, looks like there's a geriatric person reaching for maybe Thor's hammer. Uh, the, the heroes, the background of the cover, uh, somewhat resemble other heroes that you may be familiar with, but it just, it, it's Jeff Lemire who we are all a fan of. Um, and it is a, uh, it just, it, it's seems like a pretty funky idea for a, uh, for a book, but also I'm interested because Dark Horse isn't necessarily a publisher I think about when I think about superheroes, whether they be young or old. Uh, there was Comics Greatest World, and they have done superheroes, but it's not... Um, when I think of Dark Horse, superheroes doesn't really uh, come to mind right away. So it, it, I think... Go ahead. I think X is great. Yes, you do think I, X I, I love Swizinski's... Swizinski. Swierzynski's X. I think it's, it's a brutal book. Yes. It's, it, um, it's a lot like that show. Daredevil we're probably gonna, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's nasty. But, uh, I'm yeah. sorry. I do not have a price for Black Hammer, but I'm sure it is. It is two ninety nine fifty percent off dollar forty nine, And you stole Sweet. one of mine, you dick. Ah, I am a dick. Ah, you are. I have one. This is from Archaea. Um, uh, it's, is conceived, written, and illustrated by the disturbingly talented Jeremy Bastane. 56 pages, 999 cover price. It is the Cursed Pirate Girl Annual Number One. I love this man's work. Intensely detailed. Uh, David is familiar with Cursed Pirate Girl. I'm, just, I'm sure Jason is too, I, right? I have the original collection, yeah. Yeah, me, well, back in the day, uh, Chris sent me the self-published first issue. So I'm hoping, you know, this is more of the same by the looks of it. It is just, I can't even conceive getting a book out like this on a regular basis. It is amazingly intense detailed. amount of line work. Yeah. Oh, and it's just logistically to, to, to complete a piece, just one of these pieces would take forever. And you look at the preview images and it's just like, wow, good God. And, and I love the story too. I, I've been a fan of uh, Jeremy since, since, the, you know, he first uh, exploded onto the scene. And I just, I can't wait for this. And it's a reasonable price too. What does uh, discount comic book service have this for? That is a great question. One second. And I will tell you. Cause I figured you had the, the thing open. You know what? I, you're, you're, you're making me uh, pull the curtain back because I have mm. mine sorted only by the things I'm buying. 
So Ooh. hold on a second here. Maybe you should add this. Yeah. Uh, maybe. What's another? You're not the boss of me. Wait, wait. Yeah, you're not the boss of me. Uh, it is nine ninety nine uh, on sale for six forty nine. Amazing for fifty six mm, dazzling pages. That's that's all. Uh, I'm, I'm envious of this man's talent. There you go. Yep. Respect it. Do it. Yep. So take it away. What else do we have here? Uh, well, let's see. There is a book by Boom that caught my eye. Uh, mainly because of some faith in the writer, and that is, uh, it's Boom Studios written by Mr. Frank Barbieri, who we're, I think, all fans of, uh, with art by Mr. Chris Peterson. And it is, uh, number one of a four issue limited series called Broken World. Um, it's described as a post-apocalyptic survival adventure, which you guys know is right in my wheelhouse. Uh, and essentially, it sounds like his science fiction take on the uh, uh, of instead of doing the the biblical rapture, he's doing a science fiction version of the rapture, where uh, a meteor is about to destroy the Earth. There's an extinction level event, and much of the Earth's population has been put on ships to go to another planet, but unfortunately, some are left behind. And the story is about Elena Marlowe, who is left behind because of some issues with her past, and it's her quest to try and find a way onto one of these ships to make her escape uh, before uh, Earth is destroyed. So, sounds pretty cool. Preview art was nice inside of uh, uh, that, from what I saw, and uh, I'm fully on board. And um, in a familiar refrain, uh, Discount Comic Book Service has it for 50% off. So it's a $3.99 cover price book for $2.99. Sweet. Oh man. Um well one thing that I was interested in when they first announced it because it wasn't something that I expected to really ever see. Uh from Archie Comics. Oh, Archie yes. number one by Mark Wade and Fiona Staples. This is on page two seventy two. And uh basically my notes when it came to um you know, my reasons why was was, you know, do you really have to ask it? And never mind the fact that there are a ton of covers available for this which one are you getting i i am you know we'll we'll talk after because uh, there's one that really is a little lackluster but um there's a uh, there are a bunch that i would love to see i mean mike norton has one um the uh the fiona staples cover the the standard is looks amazing the the frank avila one is nice there are a lot of really sharp looking covers. And, and uh, the cool thing is each cover is not a, a, a lot of times uh, people that uh, order from DCBS may know that there often are variants for comics that uh, are more expensive because they're um, like chase variants, one in 25, one in 50, one in 100. In this case, there's just a bunch of different regular, regularly priced uh, right. covers. So you can, you can definitely ch- take your pick. Um, and I think the only difference is the regular cover with Fiona's art is, 50% off $3.99, so it's $1.99, and the others are 35% off, so they'd be $2.59. But, uh, but you still get to pick which one you want. Yes. The, um, but they, they all, they, they all symbolize Archie, and, and, uh, and you're not going to mistake the, uh, the characters on, on these covers, but it's, you know, it, when was the last time we had a, Archie number one. So it, it, it's, it's pretty neat. And, and, and it's Mark Wade who, 
you know, like Lemire is is pretty much a favorite of ours, writer wise, and and has written pretty much everything in in almost any genre that I could think of. So um, to see him tackling America's oldest teenager that that's pretty nifty. And Fiona's kicking major ass on Saga, and to see her do something that that isn't so um, science fictiony and 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 alien. Like it will will be in will be neat for me visually at least just to see her doing a bunch of teenage kids I'm I'm all for that so I'm there are a lot of unique factors involved in this even though it's it's a very it, it's Archie so it is comic booky and it is being done by by two people who um, do very comic booky type stories but it, it it's never really a creative team that I would have imagined on Archie Comics. Yeah. And and knowing the success uh, Ms. Staples is having with Saga, she does not have to do another book. Oh, no. The, the, no. The, no, the fact that she is doing another book tells me she doesn't have to do it. She wants to do right. it. Which, which is going to make Archie even more fun. Because she's going to you know put her heart and her soul and she wants to do it. I have another Mark Wade. Which I bet you do. Is, isn't that crazy? From Dynamite, uh, um, a man that would give Jason a run for his money in the paleness department. Hey, uh, Ri- hey, Mr. Richard Henry Benson, uh, that's his name, but we know him better as the Avenger. Justice Incorporated, the Avenger, number one from Dynamite, written by Mark Wade, with art by Ronaldson Frere, F-R-E-I-R-E. There's a ton of covers. Alex Ross. Walter Simonson, Francesco Francavilla, but uh, there's a Barry Kitson cover. But the best cover, I think anyway, of course I'm biased, is by our buddy, Mr. Mark Lamming. Nice. Nice. Yes. Uh, $3.99. No, wait. Yes, I believe it's a $3.99 cover price for 32 pages. And if I know DCBS, they probably have this heavily discounted. Respect. That's that's your cue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, again, you keep naming ones that uh, I don't have queued up because I'm not ordering them, but okay. Uh, D- uh, Dynamite seems the place to be to go for the pulp heroes. And I have a huge crush on all these heroes. The Shadow, uh, the just the uh, the King Features books that they've recently done. I, Dynamite is just up to their neck in these these great characters and it doesn't surprise me that they got the avenger it, it uh, is uh 3.99 50% off buck 99 nice and uh i have very fond memories of the kirby version of justice incorporated of course uh and i'm sure this will be more of the same so i can't wait for this nice. the, um there there was dynamite had me almost had me interested in something last month, and and the reason it wasn't um, on my list was because of how involved it was going to be with the uh, Swords of Sorrow. Oh yeah, yeah. there's a lot there, of books oh in my because every every crossover, every every team up is a uh, is its own book, and it's just like that. That's nuts. But you know, the covers look amazing. But yeah, I mean, not not to get away from from this from the topic we got going on. But yeah, I mean, you're, you're right about dynamite and, and the pulp and, and the good stuff they have. Cause I mean, they, they have the shadow. They, there's a lot of good stuff from, um, from dynamite, but I, 
that's one thing that I was thinking about last week, the last month that that wasn't going to happen. Although I I have very very low expectations for it, I have been ordering the Swords of Sorrow because I figured why not? It's something that it definitely is out of left field, and I'll try it. But I I, I wouldn't be shocked if it's not. <laughs> but I, I figured I'd give it a it's try. A bunch of creators on it. I too. know nothing. Right? It's got an impressive list of creators involved, and I. I have read almost nothing about almost every one of the the heroines in these stories. <laughs> Even like Vampirella and stuff. You guys yeah. know I've hardly read any Vampirella. I've heard, right. So I just thought, why not? You know, I mean, it's it's a gimmick for sure, and and um, I, I think I'm going in with low enough expectations that I I, I won't be disappointed one with the other, and uh, we'll see. But I have uh, for my last uh, preview shout out um, one that I think definitely is near and dear to Vince's heart as well. Uh, we have come to the end of a true era for me. One of the most uh, significantly entertaining books of uh, of really our, I guess, of our existence together, and, and that is uh, Fables. Fables uh, is coming to an end. Uh, this previews we have Fables, the 22nd, Volume 22 trade paperback. But it's... Uh, not surprisingly, uh, Bill Willingham is is going for clever here. It is both the last trade paperback of Fables and the final issue, all in one. So awesome. issue 150 is 150 pages. Ergo, it's going to serve as the final trade paperback as well. And it will have an 80-page lead story, uh, which will tie everything up. And then it will have um, uh, another uh, 70 pages of of uh, goodbye stories by other creators like Mark Schultz and Neil Adams and Andrew Peepoy and the like. Uh, and it is $17.99 cover price. And um, a recurring theme here, our good friends at DCB service have it for 50% off, so $8.99 to see the end of definitely one of the, the, the best modern era creator-owned books. So. I will. I will be... Really pleased if it had, well, and now it's issue number what? 150. Okay. I would be very happy if, if on the cover it says issue 150, but the spine actually has whatever volume number trade they're up to. Hmm. Uh, fair enough. I, I'm looking at the cover art here and it just says Fables 150. So make of that what you will. Okay. It doesn't say issue, but it says Fables one thing. Right, yeah, and then that's and I never go by because um, a lot of times with the DC solicits, it's either not final cover art or it's the, the the variant cover. So it's not. However, DC has their preview pages laid out. It's it's it doesn't really have the cover copy or or, or the logo or the barcode. It's just so I'll I'll wait to see the finished product on that. Sure. Well, one hundred was a trade paperback of sorts. It was uh, prestige format, so that's true. Yeah, it's in the tradition. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it's even got metallic ink. It's... Oh wow! Whoa. Throwback. If it had spot varnish, I would need like plastic. Throw. It is a fold-out cover as well. Oh my goodness! Jeez. Stop. Mm-hmm. It opens into a four-panel mural. He's like fucking Mike dropping it. He's like, is he retiring from comics after this? It's crazy. Pretty much, right? He's gonna yeah. <laughs> David, I, I want. Yeah, I did Archie. I have. Well, there, I do have. Um, oh right, right. The uh, Titan Comics has Minions. First issue of that coming out. 
That's um, about your office. Uh, it's gonna be about my office. Yeah. Uh, I also had. Um, I know it's it's very. It. It's not exactly a. Stunning when, uh, or a shocker when, when we mentioned a first issue from, from Image, but of the previews I saw this month, um, Star of Number One actually looks pretty interesting to me. Ah. Uh, and that's Brian Wood and, uh, Danagel Zazeji and, and colors by Dave Stewart. So th- those were really the only comics. Then there was the, um, the Miracle Man Artifact Edition, which, yeah, just, right. which I, I looked <laughs> by the original creator and, or the original writer and, uh, and, or actually no, written by the original creator and then, uh, art by, uh, like Gary Leach and Alan Davis and, uh, Totalbin and others. But there's, and the one thing that I kind of wanted or, or I would love to have, but I have no idea when the hell it would ever end. Is the uh, the Amazing Spider-Man Ultimate newspaper comics collection mm-hmm. right? That can go on forever. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's depending how they space it it's out. It's Volume yeah. One, seventy-seven to seventy-nine. Uh, Stanley and primarily John Romita, and it's um, but it, and and it's of course segregated with the the dailies and and the, the full color Sunday strips, but. Um, yeah, I mean yeah. The, the 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 Amazing Spider-Man comic strip is still going on, so you don't know when this would ever be finished. So I'm not I, that's it's, not something I could even consider. It's true, and if you remember from the Spider Verse uh, books, seventy-seven, seventy-nine, Peter probably walks down the street, turns around, <laughs> yes. and meets and meets the Goblin, and that's like two years. Yeah, and that's the, yeah. <laughs> so then, the first panel, of the next strip is a recap of the first, the last two panels. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. It's Seriously, just, but yeah. All right, my last one is from the great Fanagraphics books. What's this? An all-new standalone one-shot comic book from one of our greatest living cartoonists. Christmas has come early, featuring six mostly wordless. Thoroughly surreal adventures featuring a cast of misfits, monsters, and anthropo- anthropomorphs that could only spring from the id of the great who? Gilbert Hernandez. Last year's Eisner Award winner for best short story, the comic in question is called Blubber Number One. It's 24 pages, cover price $3.99. Blubber, a hardly knower. I do love my Gilbert. There you go. Yeah. I, I was going to say massive gay Japanese manga and the men who make it. I knew which, you were. Yeah, that looks. It's you're on that. Uh, <laughs> zoom, in Chip, on that. Yeah. zoom in on Chip that. Chip Kid. Chip Kid is involved. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> <But> there, <laughs> my final. My final. My final recommendation is, uh, is an, <laughs> another classic. Uh, Another classic piece of, uh, of, of comics, and that is by IDW, the, uh, Mike Zek's Classic Marvel Stories Artist yeah, Edition. Love Zek, love him the most, just so much, and so giddy that IDW is, is, is immortalizing some of his work in a beautiful artist edition. Um, I, I don't always buy the artist editions, not because they're not awesome, but they are big behemoth books, and I pick my spots here, but this is one I have to have. Um, I don't have, as with many of the artist editions, they don't in the solicit give you the entirety of what's included, but it does mention that it will have the first two issues of the Punisher miniseries, nice. the first issue of Secret Wars, uh, that, that, uh, two issue cap story with Deathlock, Deathlock and Fury yes. and Spidey, uh, and then, uh, the first, uh, part of Craven's Last Hunt. 
as well as uh, many of his covers, which I hope when I say many, mean many of the G.I. Joe covers. Um, so I, I'm, I'm super, super stoked for this. It's, uh, it's available. It's pricey. You know, the artist editions aren't, uh, aren't for the faint of heart cost wise, but, uh, it's 123.50 on DCB service. So it's goodness. That is goodness. And you can bring Zach, it. Yeah. You can lug it in your suitcase to Heroes Con and bring it for him to sign for you. Well, but I have prepared to be behind my ass in line. There you go. That's what I was waiting for. The, uh, um, wow. it is a, uh, no, there aren't, you know, like Jason, I don't, I may be impressed or, or respect the, uh, the artist in the spotlight for that volume of the artist edition, but not every artist edition is for me or, or something I, I gotta have. And the two I have, I absolutely adore and, and, they they kind of are two that are um that are made for me i i they weren't going to get away from me at all but the uh zek is it, that is one artist edition and i i absolutely know that um that will have a happy home in uh in Kinalon. and and it's you know i i i like the one with the covers that that we flipped through at your house in october when, when we were there for new york comic con and that one was cool, but that wasn't to me that that that's not necessarily something that I would consider a a, a must have. But the Zek one is is all you, and and I'm I'm happy for you. Nice. You got chickens too. No, it sounds like it sounds like chickens in the background. Chickens? Where the hell are you, bro? I don't I'm know. I'm, I'm, I just hear chickens. Uh, I hear chickens. Right. I'm sorry. Right. They're coming home to rooster. Right? I guess, right? Huh. All right, let's talk about some some comics some now. Comics. Some comics that we've read. Oh my goodness, we read so many comics. Oh. Yes, can, y'all can, did. We did. Can, can we finally talk about Spawn? Oh, right. that was not on my list, but go ahead. Because I, I teased it what two episodes back that that I wanted to talk about. Two, oh, four, it was, ten, it was, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while since you've been here, bro. So it's it's hard to say. I think you've all read it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, we, 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 I love the dog and we mocked the magic bullet, but yes, we, we have read it. It is a, it is a great jumping on point for some, especially for someone like me who hasn't read Spawn since before issue 50. Um, it's a, um, no, I would, I, I, I would read spawn 251 based on on this first issue to see where it's going there's it's very topical very timely uh but it's um and it's depending on how well you know spawn or al simmons it's um it could also be a little bit of a uh of a gut punch so but i'm, I'm not i don't want to step on 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 your toes man i mean it spawns your baby no, so not, go for it right i'm not going to go through the entire thing but uh somewhat of a gut punch like Al Simmons' entire reason for existing uh, is taken out in this book. Yep. And what was his reason wh- for existing? Wanda. Wanda. He did everything because of Wanda. That's why he came oh. back. <laughs> and of course, the, the 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 joke of it all is that he comes back as a, as a white dude. But yeah. So written by Paul Jenkins, who has yeah. some experience with Spawn in the past. Uh, he wrote The Undead, Spawn the Undead, Blood and Shadows, illustrated by John Boy Myers. Um, the and John the Boy even, Myers. 
Yes, and even uh, Tom Orzachowski's on this thing, doing the letters. is uh, on color. Uh, so what, what do we know? Al Simmons is in limbo. He committed um, existential suicide. Couldn't take being uh, Spawn anymore. Uh, Jim Down, uh, Downing. Sorry, I'm going to edit that out. Jim Downing. I'm going to leave it in. Fuck it. Jim Downing is gone. Thankfully. And with, and with, he was the interim, uh, spawn. And with him, uh, Simon Kodransky is gone as well. (laughs) Thankfully. I, 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 I hate to disparage uh, the work. No, I do. uh, Because I, I know the, the, the effort that goes into this stuff, but, Definitely the wrong artist for the book. Um, when I think Love Child. Again, no, he's not even anywhere near Igor Corday. Dude, you're like, no. Just take that back. Seriously. Uh, you got me up my balls. Yes, I do love Igor Corday. But when I think of Spawn, what do I think Simon of? Kordaysky. Amazingly cool. I'm just going to step right over you. Uh, amazingly cool cape. Wicked chains, bright colors. Yes, he's a character that lives within the shadows, but the real joy of Spawn is all in the design of the costume for me. And, and the, the, the narrative is cool, but for, I just love the Spawn costume. And for 50, I think around 50 issues, Mr. Kodransky has has done everything he possibly could to keep Spawn masked in the shadows. Uh, maybe we'd see a side of a face here and there, maybe a glint off one of the chin, you know, and that just doesn't work for this book, in my opinion. I, I would have, if I was Todd, I would have never let it go 10 issues, never mind 50. But there was one thing about Mr. Kudransky, uh, on which McFarlane could depend, and he was timely. He got the book out every month. Um, the, the process kept rolling. Everything's happy, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, I'm a diehard Spawn fan. I have the entire series twice over. Um, and every mini series, every one shot, I just have every, if Spawn is in it, I have it. Um, I haven't read it in, in 40, let's just say 40 issues. Yeah, I, yeah. I stuck with it for about 10. And I was just like, nah, this is not for me. But I kept buying it because out of loyalty to the creator and the character, I kept buying it. This issue was awesome Good because Spawn, Spawn's out in the light. He He's where he belongs. Al Simmons is back in the costume. And the reason he comes back is bulletproof. Wanda gets caught between the cops and a bunch of gangs and is killed. And God... In the form of a dog, isn't that clever? Yeah. Come, come, I, come on, it's Spawn. C- comes to uh, uh, Limbo and tells Al, you know what? Your woman, she's in a tough spot, and so he becomes uh, at, at the uh, the Spawn again. This is yes, and and his, he 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 uh, God gives him. This gigantic bastard sword, which is so cool, but the 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 real joy for this, in for me, is not in the story; it's in the art. Oh man, Myers, he just he nails it. it it's a it's a cross between Joe Mad 
and uh, there's some McFarlane in it, but it, it's very in your face. It's very animated. It's larger than life. But most of all, it's all visible. It's all clear. The, the shadows are uh, limited. Uh, even when Spawn is in limbo or Al is in limbo with the dog, the background is black, but Al himself is is highlighted very well. So you can see what's going on in this thing. It's not all talking heads. And there's even a tip of the hat to McFarlane's old, um, the, the newscasters, uh, where we get this, um, uh, yeah. this Channel 12 news idiot that, that keeps popping in. Uh, I just thought it's, it's off to a great start. I'm, I'm so optimistic now. I think the book is in good hands for the first time in a long, long time. And I loved every page of this damn thing. I read it four, five, I don't know how many times. I just could not believe that one of my favorite characters is is uh, going to be one of my must-reads every month now. That is great. Sincerely. I mean, it's not, you know, I bust your chops about it, but but it's nothing's better than having a character that you genuinely love uh, come out of a of a dark period and and uh, and start <laughs> literally, <laughs> no, but you literally, know. No, but seriously. And, and even issue two fifty was was uh, extra size and it was Kodransky's swan song and he did come out into the light uh, more or less. Uh, it, no, it, it's it, it was just like a mess. Mm. It was, it, it really was. Wherever he goes after spawn, uh, good for them. No, no, yeah. So yeah. Spawn Resurrection, my God. I don't know. I just have an unnatural infatuation with this character. Oh, I, I always have, uh, since issue one. You do you, boo. Yeah. You didn't, no, you can comment on it. I'm not gonna take offense. You, you did, you thought it was juvenile? I, I didn't I'm, read I'm it. guessing. I didn't read it. Oh, I thought you did. I thought he did too. No, I, dude, I, I, I just can't be drawn to spawn. It just doesn't, doesn't do it for me, so I'd rather, you know, it just doesn't appeal to me. Uh, respect. Yeah, I mean, David. I, but I know that David read it, so yeah. Yeah, David did. And he said he had a couple of issues with it. Which, no, I, I, I already expressed that it was, um, the, the good outweighed any bad as far as I'm concerned. If it, if it wants me to, see, if it's going to get me to see where it's going from here, then, you know, that, then it worked. It, it, uh, they were just supposed to, you know, I mean, you told me that they got rid of the meter, so I was all butthurt over that, but, you know, it's, uh. You really like the meter, don't you? It was, I, I thought that, you know, Todd was gonna be serious and just like, listen, when, when the magic runs out, it's, it's, that's it. And, you know, whether. But God stepped in. So maybe he took the, the, the caps off. Uh, yeah, maybe. If anybody could do it, it could be God Dog, right? I mean. <laughs> God, he's, he's the big dude, the head honcho. It was, it, no, it, it's, um, it, I don't understand the talons or the claws or whatever. I don't know why that was necessary. That's the way, if you, if you had to say, if you said to me, all right, you come on, just name something you really didn't like about this issue. I don't understand why he's got the dual, the dual claws on the one hand. What is that? Why does, why does Spawn need claws? Why? Tell me. <laughs> But I mean, a big old bastard sword. Yeah, he doesn't need that either. But at least that's cool. Yeah, you yeah know? it's cooler. It is. But I'm sorry for interrupting. No, 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 no. You, you. Hey, no. It was. It was. Uh, it was all for you. I am happy that uh, that you will be able to now read Spawn again. Not not just 
buy it and read it. Yeah, so it's and and love and it. Does does Tony Twist make a return? <laughs> no. <laughs> what, you want another lot? God, God does not need another. Oh, uh, there was the chapel appearance though, so we're all good. What with what with the yes, there was. What with the movie coming? Yeah. What yeah. with it? Yep. Yep. Nice. I'll, you know, I'll be there. I'll be there. So. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys want to want to dish? Uh, geez. Uh, so one thing that I wanted to shout out specifically was Copperhead, because by Image Comics. Uh, with um, uh, we've talked about it before, but but the thing about it is that uh, the first arc wrapped up with you know issue five, and the trade came out of couple weeks back and then issue six hit the uh hit the stands and i don't know about you david because we haven't talked about it but i enjoyed the book from jump however i remember when it was being pitched um fairber jay fairber the writer had pitched it uh as as um deadwood in space right and while i was totally engrossed in the first arc I, I wasn't necessarily getting the, the Deadwood vibe in a, in a true sense, other than on a surface level. But by the the way that the fifth issue, the first arc wrapped up, and then the sixth issue, I, I put the sixth issue down and said, "Oh, here we go! Like this, like now, now I'm fully in. Like now, this feels this gives me the feels the same way that that watching Deadwood did. I, I, I I'm." And I think the reason for that is that the first arc kind of set things up, but only gave us very minimal glimpses into who these characters are. And the sixth issue starts diving in. We, we get some sense of her, of, of, of her, well, we learn her name. We learn who her, a sense of her antagonist from her prior planet. We really get, uh, some sense of nobility from the arty that's involved in the story. Uh, we, we, we learn more about Boo and his family. Yeah. Uh, and, and I just, I came away from the sixth issue starting to genuinely care about a number of the characters uh, in a way that I'm, I'm, I'm so hopeful that this book lasts for a long time because I, I now really care about the characters as much as what I got out of the first five issue story, which was quite good and entertaining in its own right. But, but now I'm in it for the characters and, uh, and, and totally on board. And Scott Godlewski on art is phenomenal. I agree. And, yeah. uh, I, I just think he's killing it. With his character designs and his world designs and, uh, this, this sense of, and, and in that way, I, again, I do think it, it is fair to compare it to a Western because it is this barren, it's a mining planet, but it's this barren place where you just get the sense it's just so dry and, and, and sparse and, uh, there are outlaws and, and there is a, uh, the, the owner of the mine is essentially the leader of the, of, of the, of the town because he's got all the power. Um, we, we come to believe now that the mayor, who is essentially her boss, is the sheriff, is, is, is in absentia. I mean, he's, he's, as far as we know, he's almost never on the planet, um, on the colony. So, uh, so just, a, a you know, I was already on board for this, but I just, I came away, uh, you know, if I was, if I was into it before, say, a, a, a B plus A minus, I, I, it's, it's, it, after the sixth issue, I'm, it's kind of top of the stack for me now. Yeah. There, there was two defining moments for this series for me. One, uh, when the Artie 
turned out to be fairly benevolent. Mm-hmm. Like he, mm-hmm. he, he wasn't, he wasn't the, the, the thief, the thief and the, and the, and the killer we, you know, he was made out to be. Mm-hmm. And, and the second, uh, big moment was when she actually consoled and, and, uh, oh, met, yeah. met the mother of the, the family mm-hmm. uh, on, on an even keel. That shows me, yeah, she's pretty much, Tough as nails, no nonsense. Uh, she she does even she does the hard things uh, without thinking, but she's not xenophobic, right. which is awesome. And right. and that that's going to make her succeed on that on that planet. I think mm-hmm. she's going to yeah. get her, her uh, some some dip some some uh, dick uh, some some dickage from the the blue man too blue man group from the teacher. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm definitely thinking that's why you know I didn't want to say it because y'all every every time I I, I bring up romantic things you're all like ah you know, I definitely think that she is going to start up a relationship with the Artie. I do. She she's she's open to races uh, other than her own uh, even even alien races uh, she she meets them on on a even footing so why not an arty like it it just lends I, that's i just believe that but we'll see and boo is a great character for sure boo is boo is a great character the the home life isn't isn't so well I don't, it's, no it's uh it it's not leave it to beaver, but it is a, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's real a, though. It's real. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and, and a, uh, seeing everybody fleshed out and a little bit more, you're right. The, the first arc was, was absolutely set up and not, not necessarily so much in the sense of the characters, but just we're, we're experiencing this, this planet, this world at the same time as, as the new sheriff and, um, we'll have time to get to know everybody, but for now, she hits the ground running right away with, with, with this first case. And, uh, it, it was nice. You know, we had the break with the first trade and, and the sixth issue. Yeah. Now, now I think we, we know what to expect from here on out. And, uh, we've pretty much met all the players and now we just need to see. How they interact with everybody, and and there's there was still that tension between between the sheriff, between Boo, because she was she was on her way to apprehend somebody, and and uh, you know she she lets out this comment like you know I'm I'm still alive, you're not sheriff yet, and 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 it's almost like he had a smirk like is maybe she's hurt, maybe out, but you just that, that's the kind of relationship I think that they're establishing with these two. It's it is a um it it was a nice uh follow up from the first arc and and cuz now the mom is is basically pa- playing babysitter um it's yeah no i i really enjoyed the uh the sixth issue yeah i forgot about that to actually let her into her home and yep. take care of her child that that's huge absolutely yeah, yeah. you know there's another image book uh with which uh Copperhead is kind of similar in setting and tone and even some of the concepts explored but I got to say it 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 is much I'm talking about Drifter. I I think Drifter is moving a little bit too slow but um just like whole ball of wax I think Copperhead is far better of a book. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, 
Um, not not to to slight Drifter. I mean, it's a good book, but Copperhead has the makings of a great series, and it's 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 getting there. Yeah, no, I I agree. It's definitely in, in image continues to put out a ton of great stuff, but this is one that I think has legs uh, as long mm-hmm. as as long as is uh, Godlewski and Ferber are you know interested in in doing it. So yes, sir. You got that. Oh man, uh, let's see. Well, I do have the valiant number four. Woohoo, yes! Oh, that, 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 we were ready to talk about it last week if someone bothered. Right, if someone did bail on us, right, yeah. Um, there was, yeah, when, when we read it and, and the three of us were doing the whole Facebook Messenger thing, you know, Vince and I, I think, were really just taken aback by the events in the fourth issue. And, and then, you know, Jason's like, Oh, really? Yeah, I read it. What, what are you guys talking about? What I, what I miss? And we're like, well, wait, didn't you? And he's like, oh, yeah, no, that, that's no. And I'm like, oh, see, and we're being, I'm, I'm being very vague about all this, but something seriously, um, do something. There was, there was a, a, a character introduced not too long ago, uh, in this new Valiant universe and, uh, th- this character, uh, basically met, uh, a fate in the well, Why don't we say spoilers here? It's gonna be hard to... Okay, spoilers. Yeah. Uh, the Geomancer, K. McHenry, was killed. Peace out! Uh, which Vince and I were both pretty... Matt. Madly in love with. Yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I, I was, I was a big Kate McHenry fan, but I did yeah. not expect to see that happen. And, and whether no. or not, you know, it's, it's par for the course because this is what happens when, uh, the great enemy faces a geomancer. You know, this, this, she, she's no different than any of the, her predecessors, but, um, you know, you still, you, you read four issues and you're like, well, this is, this is the battle. This is, this is the one that's going to change course and, and this is the one that's going to make a difference. And she's, they just introduced her. She's not going to die. But, uh, bye, Felicia. Yeah. But the, see, the big, ele- the elephant in the room and even the characters in the Valiant universe, they're totally oblivious to it. And it's, it's as obvious. As the hair on her yes, head. Yes, it is. That, that the, I saw the, that. I was just like, the, what? The, the, the new, see, um, Gilad does some fancy time manipulation yeah. and, and there is a new geomancer, which kind of sets, offsets the, the, the immortal enemy's plans. And hence we, we're not entirely sure if the forces of good won meaning that the earth will not plunge into an era of darkness or if we truly lost. But regardless, the, the, the new geomancer has that very distinctive hair pattern <laughs> that bloodshot has. Yes. And, and the kids walking around, everybody's like, Oh, hi, how you doing? And nobody <laughs> like mentions no it. No one's got the male pattern thing going like, on here. It's like, crazy. She's got bloodshot's hair. Yeah. <laughs> which makes, makes me think that the, See, the second big to do in this issue was that Kay, before her untimely demise, basically makes, sucked bloodshot dry of the nanites. Yeah, basically she she manipulates the nanites in in bloodshot's bloodstream, and she effectively, I, I for what it's worth, she she cures him, but I think in doing so, 
something happened, whether it's it's going to be in the future, whether Bloodshot and K, this incident has bonded them or, or, or marked them both with each, imprinted each other, there will be a child somewhere. And I think I think the new Geomancer is the, the child of K and Bloodshot. I do too. It's not a stretch. You know? But, and it's just, and it, this is the other thing, Jason, is that why it was a little surprising to me is that they are, I mean, now, now the title of the book makes a lot more sense with the whole Bloodshot Reborn, but why do you have a book about a character who was just altered in such a way? Um, in, in, in this, um, I couldn't call it an event, but in Valiant, but it, it's, it's also, um, there, and the uh, like preview pages, things like that. I mean, it, I, we had I had no no idea that that uh, K would not survive. No, this because they they didn't tip their hat like exactly other exactly. They 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 were smart enough to let this. So I was I was absolutely surprised. I was floored. I did not expect it. So I well, it's kudos. And I get I get what you guys are saying. I guess I wasn't floored because. Uh, the very beginning of the Valiant sets up that the history of these two characters is that dude keeps killing the, yeah. the Geomancer and, and dude keeps trying to stop him from killing it. So, so, so I kind of thought, <laughs> all right, well, uh, we've established that this kind of just happens. This is just a cycle of life, kind of like Ragnarok with the Norse gods. And I'm like, all right. So I kind of assumed that, that she was more than likely going to bite the big one. But didn't you even consider for a second that maybe Bloodshot and her would break the, the cycle? No. And why, 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 really? why not have a, a mini series about them finally overcoming? Yeah. Uh, Good no, I'm not, well, no, I'm not saying what you're saying is, is, is in any way illogical. I just, I guess for me, I just thought, okay, this, it seemed like it was the way they were going because, um, and, and I guess I don't, like, she wasn't around long enough to, to really matter that she's gone. I mean, okay. Well, first year Archer and Armstrong, right? Yeah, but I mean, right, right. So she, but she was a supporting character for what? 12, 15 issues of a of a comics universe. So, but a great character, though. Now, I mean, a very real character. I thought anyway. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I agree. The, the interesting thing I think coming out of this is, to your point about the the future, Geomancer brought back is, um, they make her out to be Wumba powerful, and mm-hmm. I wonder how that plays into the broader Valiant universe. And uh, she's kind of kind of a Cora look to her. Uh, not that her power. Oh, yeah, like, right, right. You know. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> I love the panel with her and, and Galad when she's trying to lift the axe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But I gotta say, I'm not I'm not fronting here. Paulo Rivera, the, these four issues. Beast mode. Seriously, this this book is a veritable masterpiece. I I would back that up. It, from his character design, like the immortal enemy is disturbing. Oh, yeah. And Mr. Flay, Flay just, oh. ju- no, seriously. And just the way he renders the valiant characters, his use of, of, um, sound effects is brilliant. Yeah. The, his pacing, his sequentials, the stick, the, the composition, it's, it, it is a masterpiece. And I'm on the record. I, I, I would defend this book to anyone. This is going to be the 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 valiant evergreen uh, evergreen book, yeah. Yep, I'd go along with that. Yeah, Powell's a beast, man. For real. So is he? Do you know what he's going to be working on now? 
I, I don't know. Whether he's going to stick with Valiant or, or, you know, spread the love, I don't know. I do because he, he, he does have uh, a track record at Marvel, right? Oh, yeah. With the Daredevil, so. Which I hear is on the Netflix now. Oh boy. I do want to go there. Well, let, let me open this conversation by saying that I have never, I've known David for a long time now. I have never <laughs> seen him so actively campaign for how much he's enjoyed something. I mean, we, we are all, uh, I think, uh, Chris, Vince, and myself are all far more guilty in general of hyperbole. Than David ever is. He, he's not one that's prone to hyperbole and. Uh, with TV stuff. But, right, right. But he, right. he is, he has gushed about this. I and mean, I said on, on the Facebooks that, uh, <laughs> that, uh, I, I haven't seen him bigging up anything like this other than Renee, uh, in, in the years I've known him, which is his wife, uh, for those new listeners. But, but uh, you, you have, I mean, this is, this is like Nirvana from you, it seems. It, yeah. it does. Uh, it is unprecedented. It is. it is. I guess it is. I guess, I mean, I, I am, I, yeah, no, you're right. I, I, I tend to be a little bit more reserved or low key when I, I, I will tell you guys about things I enjoy, but there, I will almost always resign myself and just let you experience it on your own without me painting a picture or, or just, you know, I don't want to, no preconceived notions. I want you to experience it and let me know what you think and then we'll discuss and, and see where we met or, or parted ways. But, uh, this was just, I, I, I am a Daredevil fan and I, um, we've enjoyed the Marvel movies. We've, um, and I've, I've been watching Agents of Shield from, from the beginning and, and, uh, it's not, it takes place in that universe, but it, it's, it's not as, uh, um, maybe rewarding or smart as, as the movies because of the story they're trying to tell with that on that station on, on ABC and, uh, at eight o'clock at night or nine o'clock at night. So it, it's, um, there's, I, I wasn't looking at Daredevil to be like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or to be like Guardians of the Galaxy or any Iron Man movie. But from the get-go, it was just, you knew that this was something serious and they weren't playing. This is a show that, that rewards you, that actually wants, it's, it is extremely smartly written. Uh, Every character, I, there are characters on other shows that either annoy me or they, they'll do something stupid. I'll be completely turned off right away and it will take a lot for them to get me back on their side. But everybody on this show, no matter the part they play, it all makes sense. It, it just, it, it all plays out to something else later on. There, there isn't anything that um that really I can flaw that I can I look at as as flawed as far as what happens on the show there there are little things that that I might have a minor complaint about like where where Ben Urich works he you know he he doesn't work for Daily Bugle for obvious reasons but aside from that 
everything about the show, once that hour starts, I, and I can look, but I don't see anything to complain about. And I am, I am extremely happy with it. And, and I, I just, there is a, I, I was halfway through and, and I knew when this is released on Blu-ray, I, I'm buying it, even though as long as Netflix streams it, I'll be able to watch it anytime, but I, I will own this. I, there's no two ways about it. I hear you. I'm the same way. Um, please fill me in on the names because I'm not privy to such things. I haven't looked yet, but the, the, the actor that plays Murdoch, I think he's absolutely perfect. Agreed. Charlie Cox. Even though the, the hair color's a tad bit too dark, <laughs> but I, I, I think he's, he's amazing as Matt. I think Foggy is, oh, is yeah. very good. I had issues with Karen in the beginning. I thought she was a little too fugly you for Karen. Hooray, dude. <laughs> no, no, I'm just not, saying just because fair. of the, you know, the low lighting in the precinct house and that, that big ass mole she's got on her face. <laughs> but she seriously grew on me. I think she's a very attractive girl. Uh, but regardless of the fact, she can act. Yep. And they, they're all very versatile, uh, actors. And I, I, and, and Vincent, what do you say? Oh, it's he, ridiculous. Th- this is it's, his, is his role. He, there are, he's so uncomfortable in his own skin. And I yeah. just love it to death. It's, it it's, yeah. it's, you, you can just, every moment he's on the screen, you can sense this incredible, uh, inner conflict that he has between this rage and, and to, to, to dominate and then this, this desire to try and find love in the world, right? With Vanessa. It's like, what? Yeah, I did. Oh man, I'll tell you, D'Onofre has always been a great actor. Yep. And, yeah, and, uh, and a little on the crazy side. Sure, he's a method. That, by all accounts, he's a method actor. He gets so, so I wouldn't want to be hanging around him right now if he's playing Frank, uh, Wilson Fisk, but, but, uh, uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, but Vince, I think you and I, uh, just by as luck would have it, we're 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 at we're through the same point of the show, right? You've watched four episodes, yeah. Yeah, so have four. I. Four, yeah. Um, and I I would say that uh, a couple things. First of all, the the casting, as we've been saying, is just ridiculous. I, I think it's spot on, and I have to say, I didn't have an issue with Karen uh, at first because I already knew her from True Blood, but I for the first two minutes that the show got going in the first episode, I had this feeling like. Matt Murdock, like what the fuck? Who's this guy? But 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 they, that quickly washed away, and I agree. I think he's he's great at the role. Um, I'm not the biggest Rosario Dawson fan. Oh, you're crazy. Um, uh, yeah, me. Either. Oh, not the crazy. like. No, and what I mean by that is, I think she's a little too famous for this role. Like I like I I I'm, I look at her as Rosario Dawson. I don't look at her as as playing a character. But but again, that's a minor minor nitpick because she is a very good actress for sure. Um. But, but the, the, the thing about this show is that, uh, each, each episode has gotten me more and more interested. And the, 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 the fight choreography is ridiculous. It, and what's cool about it is it, you know, you, we use these terms, especially in comics like street level hero. This is a street level show. I mean, they, they have awesome fight scenes, but they're not superhuman. They're, they're, no. they're, they're just tough, well-trained people and they're and they, fighting. They're winded. They, they get slower. Exactly. The they need to catch on. their breath and they yes. need to, to keep themselves from losing balance. And they, uh, right, exactly. And, uh, and, and it, it, it's, it's throughout the entirety of the, of the cast because 
Um, you know, you have, you have, uh, homeboy who, uh, I, I can't think of the character's name, but the one that goes to the bowling alley and takes care of business. Oh, he was... he's a, he's a Simon Pegg looking dude. Yes. And then he goes crazy with the skills, you know? And it's like, I love that these are average looking people who, who can kick ass because they're trained to kick ass. Yeah. I, I think Cox is very fast. To, if that's him in the, in the black. Uh, I think he's very fast because I don't think there's any kind of camera trickery going on. Some of those fight scenes, his arms are flailing. Read, like he is, he is moving. I read, uh, and I think David called attention to this. I think it was the second episode when when he goes the into fight scene? yeah the the, the right the hallway fight scene. That was a six minute scene they did in one take. Yep, no cuts. Yeah, it was all, yeah. Wow. because it was all it was it was that one hallway. I mean they 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 did it a couple of times and that. And right, like I mean the one in the interview. Was a single it was like right. yes, and it was it was uh, probably like the second or third that they did, but it was they they did it a few times to get to get everything rolling. But you know, like the guy walking out of the second room, and he he basically his head meets a microwave oven. You know, if that didn't work right, if he walked in too soon, or if the microwave missed him, then the whole shot would have just not made sense, and they would have had to redo it. So, you know, kudos to the people involved in, in, in putting their bodies on the um on the line for this but you have um I Wesley quickly became one of my favorite characters um having uh just him being the person to to speak for his employer to to, to speak for Fisk and it was um their each each episode, like you said, Jason, you know, each episode kind of gets you ready for the next one and, and, and you, your, your appreciation for the show increases as, as each episode goes by. Um, that doesn't stop as far as I, I've told. I'm, I'm up to episode 12. I finished 11. Oh, wow. So you're almost done. So I, I am almost done. And, and when I'm done, Renee will probably start watching it. So I'll, I'll watch it again. And the, uh, it's, um, they're you know, foggy. I, it, it took me a minute to realize that 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 foggy was a dude who played a um a supporting role on the show Intelligence last year. Um, he looks completely different. D'Onofrio, you know, this as as awesome as he is as Wilson Wilson Fisk, he is not the character he played on Law and Order: Criminal Intent, or the dude uh-huh. from Men in Black, or the dude from The Cell. The guy he he completely just owns this character and i don't know in yeah robert downey jr is tony stark now you know you can't really that's that that works disturbing how much downey jr is tony stark but aside from robert downey jr i don't know any other actor who who is is basically that character realized on Mm -hmm. on screen Mm -hmm. it it's it's just it's great and they everybody's actions have consequences, you know, and, and, and they don't, they don't skimp on anything because Karen has the strangle, the, the marks on her neck for the second episode, for probably some of the third. I mean, it, it, things are happening at a pretty good clip. Like these, the first few episodes are over the course of a couple of days because you have the second episode pretty much Matt's looking for the little boy who was kidnapped at the end of the first episode. So obviously, you know, it's not like a week has gone by. So things are um compressed as far as time goes. The, the, things aren't happening over months like 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 other um shows we may watch as as weeks go by, but um 
no, I cannot, uh, I, you know, I don't care if, if, you know, if, oh, you know, I, the minion doesn't know much about the comics, but he knows, he'll watch, he'll watch the movies or the TV shows. He loves the flash. He's an absolute fanatic for that show. Um, I told him to start watching daredevil and, and he's probably up to episode six or seven. And he, he doesn't know anything about Daredevil. He was a little, I think the only complaint he had so far was from the first episode where Matt is, um, saving the girls from Turk and the Russians. And I love that we got Turk right from the first episode, but, um, you know, the whole ricochet thing went where he threw the taser back at him and, and, and like, but that's, I took that for granted because I've read Daredevil. I know that he's aware of his surroundings. He, he, He's ninja-like with those skills, and he can ricochet shit off of anything. But um, if you're not, oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying that's the first instance of the bull, the Billy Club, right? right. That, that is close, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and it's even it was even shaped like a, the Billy Club. You ain't you ain't seen nothing. That, I mean, I cannot. It, when as as things start to um, appear on the show, it just it and that's it, it's just. It's a natural progression, the way things, nothing just automatically happens. You don't, there isn't really a lot going on in the show that happens between panels that, that you have to kind of fill in the gaps. They, they kind of show you everything as, as this character is, is, um, as this, this, this devil of, of hell's kitchen is kind of being formed and, and, and coming to fruition. It, it just, you don't, the flashbacks, you know, I might have thought the flashbacks would have gotten a little bit um, too much because as much as I, I love seeing kids on on TV shows, but I mean, young Matt didn't annoy me, and and uh, you know, I didn't. <laughs> Dad was, I, I, I was actually, I was a little surprised to see Dad to see Batlin Jack maybe that old and and not so broad shouldered, but you know, he he wasn't a heavyweight champ. He was. You know, I mean, not not a lot of boxers are, are huge. You know, so it 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 worked. They, they the guys basically did their homework, and and they're not. Um, I, I think a lot of love was put in into this show, and and from from picking yeah. the actors to making sure that um, things just made sense from one scene to the next. I I really have no complaints. Yeah, you. I would add another name to that short list. You mentioned Downey Jr. and uh, Vincent uh, D'Onofrio. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I can never say his damn name. Uh, I would add Hugh Jackman to that list. Really? He is. He is Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah. I think Jackman's a great actor. For for what you know for that role. Yeah, he does it pretty perfectly. Yeah, no. But it, but anyway. Um, I think the, the biggest surprise and the one, um, I loved was the first episode, how they embraced the battle in New York. That's yeah, yes. very cool that this, right, this, exactly yeah. to your point. Um, and David, you mentioned this a few times in your, uh, gushing that you, you liked that this is decidedly in the same cinematic universe, uh, but it, it feels much different than Agents of Shield. And, and right. you're a hundred percent right. And one of the ways they do that, which is what you're getting at, Vince, is this is street level. It takes place in Hell's Kitchen. It's dark. It's grimy. But they make the point that New York City has been torn asunder because of what happened in the Avengers. And, and as a result, uh, as a result, there's this opportunity for both 
a reshuffling of the of the organized crime, but also real estate and development right. and all that stuff. And it's brilliant, right? It's absolutely brilliant it because it does it tie all these things into the same timeline. Um, when in fact, as we know, none of this stuff really took place along the same timelines in terms of each of these characters. Uh, right. We know. That. Yeah. So yeah. that's pretty awesome. You're right. But but what that says to me is that because aliens descended on New York City, it opens the door to go really deep into the Daredevil mythology. Like, I'm not saying stilt man, but Bullseye's not out of the picture. No, not well, at I all. Keep wait, I keep so, waiting for Bullseye. Now, don't spoil it, David, but I, I, I'm wondering if we don't get Bullseye in these 13. I, I'm wondering that, but... Um, we, but, but, but the more excessive or the more fantastic Daredevil films, oh, uh-huh. like like Typhoid Mary, we could see the owl. We, we can see, see Mister High. Well, you, well, what about you, the hand well, and Electra? Well, right, those are the you, big ones. You, um, right. you, you said the owl. Yeah. But okay. See, I. Why does he show up? He obviously does. If you're saying that, what what episode? Tell me. No, you you've already met him. You've already you you've already met Leland. It's just you but know I have his last name because because it hasn't been said, and then that's when you're going to get it. They 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 do uh-huh. use they're they're not um they're not trying to be clever with 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 the names or anything, and and it's it it's there if you depending on how familiar you are with with with. Or how much, or how much of the information I've received. That, well, yes, yes. Yeah. And, and, and that's the other thing. It's not, they, they don't, cause I mean, it, it, it wasn't until just recently that, that I found out Wesley, that, that, that whether or not that, that's Wesley, if that's his first or his last name. So, I mean, they're, they are, they're deliberate in the information they do give you and, and when they let it slip. I did not look, the only time I looked at IMDb was to figure out where the hell I've seen Leland before and he was, he was, um, he was a character for a while on, um, on Royal Pains. I mean, I've seen the guy before. He's been in, Bob Gunton's been in a bunch of things. I just didn't remember where the hell I saw him recently. Um, just like this, uh, last night on, on The Flash, the bug-eyed bandit is, is Beth from The Walking Dead. And it took me the whole episode oh. to remember that. I was like, holy shit, that's Beth. But, um, but the, uh, so, so you, <laughs> so you shush. Um, but no, I mean, they, they, Typhoid Mary, I'd love to see, I would love to see, and, and I was, I, I, I would absolutely love to see the Rose, but although, oh, although the Rose, be, that would be awesome, but, but that's a, um, but of course the Silvermane. Rose appeared in, um, in Spider-Man, and I don't know if they yeah. have that, that, that kind of. Well, Pull, Those are Spider-Man, right? Well, so is Kingpin. But the uh, the, uh, no, <laughs> the the whole um, the I, I had a chuckle at your Facebook. Yeah, post. I know you did. I, I believe I'm ready to concede. <laughs> I might that the be. Kingpin, I may. I may yeah, yeah. be. There's no Let's not get crazy. Dude. <laughs> um, no, I am. I am quite. I'm. I'm glad you guys are are enjoying. I mean. Part of me, of course, is like, listen, I'm, I might be bigging this up and, and you guys are going to be like, dude, you're crazy. Like, it's not even, that's not close to anything as good as I've been watching. But, um, if you guys have been digging it, I'm happy. Yeah. I don't expect to see Daredevil going up against Mephisto or Ultron anytime soon, but the possibilities for the more fantastic villains are there. Well, we've, we've seen, um, David Tennant was over there wearing a, a purple suit and, and apparently that was on the set of, um, of the Jessica Jones show. So, cause he is, he plays Kilgrave. He, he's going to be the purple man on, 
Oh, nice. So, I mean, they are going to mess around with that. I mean, yeah, they did mention, they mentioned the Battle of New York. Um, when Wesley talks to the Russians, he mentions uh, something about a, a magic hammer or, or an armored suit. Um, there, and, and, you know, Crusher Creel, we saw the poster in the first episode and that's, yeah, that's who dad, that's who Jack was boxing in the second episode. And he was the, villain in the first episode of the second season of agents of shield so yeah we are it is all connected right right awesome and, and it's all awesome it is all awesome. it is it yep. is very well done it had tip to uh jeff Loeb, you know because it was what uh maybe three years ago now that he was hired oh it's like of stuff and yeah the head of tv marvel tv and it it, it seemed kind of like a vanity position almost at first blush but uh, he's kicked ass and taken names, man. He's he's done a lot between I, between this and between the Netflix stuff that that we have here and coming between Marvel Agents of Shield and Agent Carter and the cartoons that they've got. Re- I mean, he's he's done a great job. He really has. I am um, I very optimistic for um, for Jessica Jones. I'm really looking forward to. I I, I don't know who if anybody's tapped to um, for the role. Of, of Danny Rand, but I mean, you know, there's no, I'll do anything, <laughs> almost anything would, would, um, they, they, they've set the bar really high kicking off with, um, with Daredevil, with, with, with this whole Netflix thing. But the, um, the, Jason was just saying something about the Jeff Loeb stuff. Yeah, that, that is one, one thing I've seen probably the most as far as complaints go, um, that the show has a created by, uh, credit. Uh, Drew Goddard, who I guess brought the show to Netflix or however that was. But, you know, when it, when it comes to things, I, I, I am a huge proponent for, for giving credit where it's due. And I want to make sure everybody gets the credit they're supposed to have and that they deserve. Um, sometimes though with TV, especially with TV and with movies, you know, it's, 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 it's by committee. And so it's hard for me to really, um, gripe about that as much as I do when it comes to the comics, but mm-hmm. one, one name that has been, um, that people have been very unhappy about when it comes to seeing omitted throughout the whole, I mean, they're there at the end of each episode, there's the special thanks and you'll have, you'll have Bendis and you'll have Roger McKenzie and you'll have, you know, Joe Orlando and you'll have so many names that some that you may not remember ever worked on daredevil, but one name that is omitted is Wally Wood. Yeah, it's crazy. And that was the dude who gave us the red costume. So it's, it's mm-hmm, strange mm-hmm. that that name would not be there. But, um, again, I don't know what reasons are. I don't know what happened legally. So I'm not, I'm not going to contemplate that or, or, or play armchair lawyer, but I, I, I can definitely get why people would be miffed at not seeing that name. True. Sure. And did you notice that, uh, not only is Christos Gage writing some of the episodes, but it appears he's doing it with his wife. It's, uh, it's, it's, the, it's Christos and, and uh, her name is escaping me now, but it's, it's, it's written by Christos and a woman gauge. So I'm assuming that's his wife. So it's kind of cool. Cool. Oh. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. And you know who will gladly take your name and other pertinent information? Oh, discount comic book service when you make your first order. Exactly. Yeah. Because if you want cheap comics and collectibles, there's no better place to go. DCBService.com. Get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your home each and every month. Every month. DC, DCBService.com. In your travels, 
it seems that uh, the Valiant uh, doesn't need Solar Man of the Atom because they have their replacement godlike character. And it is Abram Adams in the pages of the Divinity. Uh, I read number two. I love it. The uh, the art by uh, Mr. Hairsign is ridiculous. It's so good. Written by Matt Kent. We have Ryan Wynn and David Barron on this too. Uh, it's another one of those upscale Valiant books with the clay-coated cover, hard uh, cardstock covers, and the extra pages and the back matter. And the story is amazing, and you should just read it. It's uh, Divinity by Valiant. David has mentioned something about this book. Well, only to you on Facebook. Yeah, but I want to know. You tell me it later if you want. Well, I'll, I'll, or we'll get into it after if, if Jason reads it. Um, but did you get the, the whole Dr. Solar or Solar Man of the Atom vibe from the book? The guy can do anything. The guy can do anything. No, I didn't, I, I didn't necessarily associate that with, um, with Solar. Wow. Like, I, you know, I mean, I can see it. I can see it. It just, it didn't pop out of me because I'm not old, but the, uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to switch it up. I'm not, um, I think I will go with something that I mentioned to everybody on the 11 o'clock comics Facebook group. Um, Run, Love, Kill, number one, came out today. Um, I would say check it out. It's, um, the first few pages are, um, are silent and, and it's, uh, and it looks amazing and there's a slight, um, I guess, Aeon Flux vibe, uh, which isn't a bad thing. It, it's, um, but you the, didn't even bite on my wordy bitch comment this morning. I, cause it, it's basically a silent issue. The, the first few pages, but no, but no, you're dude, not, there's not words until like page 14. But that, all right, so half the issue, but, but no, when you do get to conversations, it, it is <laughs> taking up a lot. Of the panel, I was just saying, and that's, and, and that's, that's a problem because I'm loving Kennedy's art. I mean, the, the, the detail he's putting into the backgrounds and, and, and the city and, and the technology with the teleporters. I mean, he's going to town on these pages, but I'm so lost in the art that I forget what the hell I read on the previous page. So I'm going to have to reread this book, but yes, you're, no, I, 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 didn't bite because when you get to page 15, you're not wrong. It, it is, there's a fucking lot of word balloons there, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's first issue that makes me want the second one now. So, you know, kudos to image for doing that whole first issue kicking ass thing again, as usual. But, uh, it's, um, it is, it's, it's drawn by Kennedy and, and, uh, written by, um, Jonathan. I'm going to screw this name up. Uh, Sui, T-S-U-E-I. Uh, actually, he, story by, but they, it, it's kind of co-written by both, so they, they, they get co-creator credit on this, but, um, interesting characters, interesting setup. I'm, I'm again being purposely vague. Get it, try it, read it. Wow. Nice. Ter- terse. terse. Right? I like the terse. Where was he two hours ago? Um, I, I want to, uh, well, I've, I, I'm going to cheat here. There's cause we didn't get to a couple things and I don't know that we're going to have time to get to them in future weeks. So, um, 
I want to shout out to, uh, Mark Miller continues to, to, to work for me of late. Um, he, he, I, I read the, well, I reread a, ch- a chunk of Jupiter's Legacy, but I read the Jupiter's Legacy came out in trade, so I, I guess I double dipped on it, uh, I didn't even realize I had, but I, I read the trade and then, uh, which was, which was good. I liked it for the Quietly Art, especially. Um, but then, uh, I think very timely, uh, Jupiter's Circle, uh, the first issue of the follow-up arc, um, which is actually a prequel, uh, for when the, what, back when these heroes were at the, their apex. Uh, Jupiter's, as a reminder to people, Jupiter's legacy is essentially a take on, um, a bunch of people are imbued with superpowers. They essentially stop all types of crime and threats to the universe to the point where, uh, there's almost no point in them existing anymore. And all of their kids, many of whom have powers, are uh, kind of just flitting about doing their own thing. Uh, most of them are good for nothings. But there is a tectonic shift in the approach that the elder statesman superheroes take on how they should handle the world, kind of a Squadron Supreme vibe without without getting too, too spoilery. And uh, that sets up a, a redemption story of sorts because the um the uh the 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 uh Paris Hilton if you will of the group the 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 daughter who wants nothing to do with them and is more interested in being famous than anything is um in many ways becomes the last uh, humanity's last great hope and that's kind of how the first arc ends where, where she she we see her whole arc character arc to where she's now set up to be the 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 would be savior of 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 uh of of us um, but, but Miller goes with Jupiter's legacy, takes, rather than pick up where that left off, uh, he goes back in time to when the first set of heroes were at their prime. And what's awesome about this, aside from the first issue being quality in and of itself, is it's, it's illustrated by Mr. Wilfredo Torres, who, as we talked about last week, uh, uh very tragically lost his wife, uh, at a very young age to cancer. And Wilfredo is now, um, you know, with the unenviable task of having to move on with his life and, and support his, his kids and his, himself without his, his wife. And, uh, that's a very tough spot. And, um, you know, there was a, a benefit that was held over the last two weeks that was uh, spearheaded by Mr. Brent Schoonover. And, uh, he did a great job with that. And, uh, I, we, as we did last week, I applaud him for that. But, but Wilfredo's art in this book is top notch. It's, uh, it's, it's a, befitting of a throwback book that takes place in a bygone era. Wilfredo's art fits really well with that. It's, it's, if you don't know Wilfredo's work, it's, it's definitely of the vein of the, of the Darwin cook vein, you know, uh, that type of thing. So beautiful, beautiful stuff. So shout out to Jupiter's legacy. And then in keeping with the Miller love, uh, the second issue of Chrononauts came out, which is written by Miller and, uh, drawn by Mr. Sean Gordon Murphy. And this is like the ultimate buddy cop, but this is buddy, this is the, this is a buddy cop, uh, comic mashup with Miller's sensibilities. And, um, the thing I think that when Miller is on, I think the thing that works is his mixture of humor and action. And this, the first issue was fine, but I thought it was a relatively paint by numbers kind of setup of a buddy, of a buddy, uh, flick. But this was just awesome. Um, it's essentially a time travel book, but instead of being weighed down with the seriousness of time travel, you know, it seems like most time travel books, inclusive of many that we've talked about over the years, the idea that if you do anything in the past, you fuck up the future. Well, this, this is, this 180s that. 
homeboy goes back into time and he's like, well, fuck it. I, why should I go back to my future? My future sucked. I didn't have, my wife left me because she cheated on me. Uh, you know, I don't have any money. So he basically embraces the fact that he can travel through time and he starts going balls to the wall. So his best friend goes back in time to try and rescue him. But when he gets there, his buddy's like, dude, dude, I've been, I've been waiting for you. Like, don't, don't, you don't need to rescue me. Look at this awesome life I have. And like, he's got hoes in 1929. He's dating Marilyn Monroe in one era. He's dating, you know, uh, he's, he's the Pharaoh in Egypt. He is, he's living all these different lives and he's just, he's big pimping. He's got crazy houses, fancy cars, jets, wealth all over the world. He's, he's the, he's like a Wall Street tycoon in another era. And he's just living the dream. He's like, dude, just stay with me. You know, he's like, you're my bro. Let's, let's just do this together. And so his buddy's like, all right, let's do it. And so they, they both basically shut off their, 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 their time travel, the signal to the future where they were monitoring them and, and, and say, fuck it. We're just going to mess with the time stream. Like we're just going to live our lives. And it's just like crazy shit. Like the kind of shit guys would do when they're going wild, only amped up to the Miller level. Like for example, there's a scene where, there's an, they're flying an F-14 Tomcat in like the prehistoric era and doing drive, doing flybys on Tyrannosaurus Rexes. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, they're doing ridiculous stuff, like, throughout the whole book. Just, just stuff that, that, uh, just is so comical and so alpha male, but, but, uh, I've never seen before. It's just very, very funny stuff. So, huge, huge shout out to Chrononauts. I think the second issue is a big step up in terms of making it unique from the first issue, which I thought was a little paint by numbers. So, uh, so props to them, but, but, uh, long winded, but last but not least, I, we would be remiss to not shout out, uh, Behemoth, um, which, uh, hits the stands. This is by Monkey Brain Comics and it is written by Mr. Uh, Chris Kipiniak, uh, with art by our good friend, Mr. JK Woodward. Thank you. And, uh, essentially this is, uh, a, this is the first issue. I, I, I don't know offhand how, how long this is. Is this an ongoing? Is this a, a limited I series? I think it's an ongoing. Okay. So the, the story is essentially about a, a, a woman who is being transformed in some way physically, becoming a manifestation of some type of monstrous creature. And th- she's not alone. This is clearly something that's happening on this version of Earth. There are people are inexplicably being turned into different types of monsters. And uh, so we, 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 we get that reality and we get introduced to her and... She's put into essentially a, a prison camp, an Issei Nisei type of thing, uh, and she's given a choice, uh, a Suicide Squad-esque choice. Either, either live in this effectively prison camp for the rest of your, of your bygone days or come work for our government agency and help us on missions and we in turn will help stem the progression of your, of your transformation and at least be able to help you keep your mind for a while. So, um, you know, when presented with those two options that uh, you can guess which one she chooses but uh but yeah so so definitely give that a shot uh like i said it's from monkey brain oh, i'm sorry it is a miniseries i apologize okay so behemoth number one uh by kapiniak and woodward cool now how do i pronounce vincent's last name denofrio dude you're italian denofrio dude you're italian Denofrio. Denofrio. Denofrio is such a common Italian last name. It just, and it all just kind of rolls together off. You're like, you're purposely going out of your way to say like, Denofrio? Dor, Dor, Dorfung. No, not. Oh, stop. Dorfung. 
Turn off the yoke. <laughs> Jason wants no part of it. Don't stop. The D'Onofrio. There we go. D'Onofrio. Oh, made me hard. Oof. Damn, slap down by the boy. Shavis. All right, let's wrap this up. I got to trans. I got to. I got to build a Minosaur. <laughs> that, that's nice. I got less than minutes to justify it. I might want to try to get another episode of Daredevil in. Are they going to do the sea cons? Do you know? The constructicons. The the sea cons. Oh, the, the, I'm sorry. Uh, you're 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 almost you're pretty much stepping out of my bailiwick of of Transformers knowledge at this point. I didn't realize uh, there were sea cons. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they? Is one they, of them a whale? Um, like an orca? No. Then he ain't gonna be all about it. I don't know. No. I I, how about Predaking? They doing Predaking? Uh, they I, should if they haven't already. Again, you're asking the wrong guy here, Vince. I I literally yeah, found true. out that these things existed uh, like two weeks ago, and I was talking to Campbell, of course, my go-to Transformers guy outside of you, and I said, "Dude, I can't figure out." And I don't know why this is. Maybe you do. When you order the stuff from Big Bad Toy Store, mm-hmm. it's not called what it actually is. Is that like a mean? trademark thing? Those are Hasbro that you bought, right? Yeah. Well, they should be. They're not. Like, for example, I was looking for. I found out that there were these that Superion was was in existence, and I in the aerial bots, and I said, "Oh, cool." Um, you have to on Big Bad Toy Store. You have to buy the chest plate, the main component of Superion and Menasaur together. They're sold as a package. They're not sold separately? No. That's weird. It is, right? Um, but anyway, but he pointed me in the direction. He said, you need to order this and then these. And he sent me the link. So, I, but, but, so I have no idea what else is coming. I do know that there is a ridiculous giant three-foot version of the Constructicons de- Devastator that's coming later this year. Ah, Which hell with Devastator. I want Scorponok. Okay, well, again, I don't know about Scorponok, but this Devastator... <gasps> no, I know. I'm saying I don't know if it's coming, I mean. Right, right. But, no, it's already but, out. Oh, okay. But this this Devastator... Dev, Constructicons were my favorite as a kid, so I, I, right. I'm going to get that, too. But then when I saw Superion, then I thought, oh, shit, there's also Menosaur, so uh, so I got those. But I, I, I love the Combiners. I love Gestalt in general. I, it's always been a, yeah. a favorite thing of mine, so... Uh, yeah. yeah. I got no love for Devastator, though. Really? Yeah, big and dumb. Nah. I don't understand that because he was the, f- I mean, at least for most U.S. audiences, he was the first combiner. Yeah, he was, but Predaking? Look at that thing. I have to admit, uh, Pred- as a kid, Predaking was my most sought after non-G.I. Joe toy. I yeah. coveted the chance to go and get another one of the pieces to Predaking until I had them all. That was one of my favorite toys as a kid for sure. Nice. All right. You're okay. You've redeemed yourself. There we go. Like you have to. All right, everybody. Thank you for being here with us again this week. We hope you'll join us next week because if you don't come back, one of us <clears throat> will be very remiss because they love you very much. All of us love you very much. Just come back. We'll be here waiting for you. Um, thank you. We'll see you. Say good night, David. Good night, David. Woo! I was in, I was on your call. I was right on the lip. Bye. Toodles. Peace.